The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother. And treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Whether you're a warrior of the Legiones Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or just a mere mortal in a universe of madness, you'll find a place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Remembrancer's Retreat. My name is Jesse. I'm here with Austin, Dave, and Caro. What's going on, everybody? Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. So, uh, first things first, how's everybody doing? Good. Racked with jealousy. Awesome. Pretty okay so far. <laughs> You've finally gotten back on the right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Definitely. Time zone. Welcome Dave back from uh, the Black Library Weekender. Congratulations and uh, welcome back. We'll see. It Thank looks you. like Austin's about to step him so he can take <laughs> over all the books. Sitting here with a big pile of yeah. treasures from I might. Dave, the other uh, side of the pond. Uh-oh. Dave uh, spared no expense and definitely came back with lots of goodies, as anybody probably would if they could. I know I probably would. Yeah. I work a lot of overtime after that. Hella too. swag. <laughs> yeah, was you you kinda have to when you when you make the trip, you uh and it's all there. And there was so much there this time. Yeah. Which is really why I decided um to go. That and it's been like twenty years since I've been back to Nottingham. Mm. So Oh, so this is not your, your first time. your first Hajj? Well it it wasn't and actually I didn't even really complete the Hajj. Because I didn't make it to Warhammer World. <laughs> I didn't have enough time. Well, it's I not know. like you didn't have plenty else to do. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was still a really good weekend. But yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Just want to get right into it? Mm-hmm. Want to talk about it? Yeah, we can We can talk about it. Um, so, so, you got your... Uh, not he, catalog. You uh, say like uh, you didn't come fully prepared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. He's got the event. He was looking at the event schedule not two seconds ago, listeners. Right. <laughs> let me let me take you on a, a magical journey across the pond to Nottingham, England, and the Black Library Weekender that just happened. So, um, I'll start at the beginning because that's the best place to start. Um, a few. With me, like it wasn't that long ago, maybe a month ago, I started looking online and I found really good tickets. So that was sort of what, what got me over across the pond. And I didn't really know how I was getting up to Nottingham. Like plane tickets? Or yeah, just plane, yeah, tickets. plane tickets. Yeah, yeah. The so you ev- found a cheap flight. I found a cheap flight. Thank you, Austin. Yes. That's a good start. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, a Virgin Atlantic direct out of, uh, of Washington, D.C. over to uh, London Heathrow. Mm-hmm. Um, about an eight hour flight, not terrible. Um, but when I got there, I had to figure out how to get up to Nottingham. Right. So that was an adventure. I spent (laughs) about, uh, an hour on the underground and, uh, just masses of humanity, but you know, it's there, it's it's England. Everyone's super polite. Sure. Uh, and then I got on a train, at, at, uh, St. Pancras station and that was maybe, maybe an hour and a half, uh, up to Nottingham. And then I got a taxi from Nottingham Station to the event location, which was the Nottingham Belfry. Mm-hmm. So it was not at Warhammer World, for those of you who may think it was. It was not. Um, it was a little off-site, maybe 30 minutes from uh, where Warhammer um, But still World in the is. city. Oh, yeah, definitely still in, still in city? Nottingham. Town? Yeah. City of Nottingham? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a difference? Towns are usually smaller than cities. 
Yeah, like Fredericksburg is a town. Richmond is a city. Okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Munici- anyway. Municipality. I, I, have yeah. no, I, no, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, it was a really good location for this event. I think that's where they've been having them for the last uh, several yeah, years. I've, I've heard, you know, at the Belfry for yeah. a few different events yeah. the past few years. So, so I finally made it on Friday, I think Friday afternoon-ish, and I just crashed out. Um, but, uh, but Saturday morning, I was ready to go. I had breakfast. I kind of went downstairs and started looking at the line that was forming. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was like, and I'd scoped out everything before, right? As, as, as anybody, you know, would. Sure. you, you got to do your recon, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'd scoped out where the merch was going to be. And I had scoped out sort of the um, uh, where the the different sessions were going to be held. They only had about three rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, the general layout. The general layout. Yep. And and so as this line started to form, I was like, "Well, I better get down there." Right. You know. I mean, I don't know how many copies of of these things they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so many special editions. So many special editions, um, and a lot of the stuff I didn't really know how much because you know they had tables but then they had stuff in boxes right 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 you don't really know when they're going to run out um so i stood in line for about two hours Mm -hmm. and there was a problem with the tills i don't know if you guys heard about this you mentioned it briefly in the chat yeah Yeah. only from you yeah okay so this was probably the only hang-up of the whole weekend but it, it you know it wasn't really on the black library team um the barcodes had not been loaded in the uh, the cash out machines, right? Uh-huh. Um, and they only had two of them. Oh, yeah. for like two hundred plus people, <laughs> like out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just imagine, right? It's like eight thirty. It's nine o'clock. It's nine thirty. It's ten. The event, you know, the opening announcement is supposed to start at ten. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil Coombe, that's that's who the uh, the manager of a Black Library is. I don't know if that's his actual title, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, and so, you know, 10, 15, the event's supposed to kick off, and literally five people have made it through. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're, oh. they're, they're, um, they're entering in the prices of everything manually mm-hmm. with two tills. Mm. Right. Oh. And so you can just see this. It's like it's the Titanic and the iceberg, right? It's just, <laughs> it's just you know it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to end poorly. Um, but... Then a really nice guy came and said, hey, um, you know, obviously we're having some issues. Uh, would you like to put your stuff in a bag and then come back and get it later? And I was like, this dude didn't have a Games Workshop shirt on, you know. <laughs> you like to give me all You'll have like a stuff. name tag, right? Like yeah. I looked him in the eye and I was like, I was like, who are you? And he's like, I'm the head of finance. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your badge? Yeah, sir? you know, right. And it's so I need a name tag. I was like, I'm exactly. And so uh, this really nice, um, really nice girl came over who was in a Games Workshop shirt uh, with a name tag. Uh, her name is Petra. She's awesome. And so um, I looked her in the eye and I said, "You will break my heart if this is not here when I come back." <laughs> but I really want to go see the rest of the sessions. Sure. So so I did, and it obviously it worked out. So. Um, not a lot of people ended up doing that. I don't know why. I don't know if they offered it to everybody. I thought it was a great idea. I and think they nerds just get desperate, man. Yeah. You. I mean, don't you, wanna, yeah. <laughs> you got I the stuff in your hand. You got something. It's what it is. It's what right? it is. Yeah. Yeah. Something tangible. They need those things just to. They need to know it is safe. 
in their hotel room. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. if you don't have it in your hands, do you really have it? No. I or maybe it's some sure. British stereotype. Like, you just can't trust people from Nottingham. And you, the gullible American, like. I, I trusted <laughs> the people from Nottingham. Um, yeah, but it was awesome. And so uh, I, I put my stuff in a bag and, and, you know, said my prayers and walked away. So I made it to the very first uh, session. Now, the way they have these things set up is they have uh, three chambers. They, they have the audience chamber, the briefing chamber, and what they call the strategium. Mm. And then they also have like a little side room where they're doing book signings. Um, so you kind of have to gauge where you want to go, right? And you can't see everything, and you, you can't get all your books signed. So you've, I know, <laughs> I know. That was the, my one heartache with the whole thing. Because um, I did get my books, and and uh, my one heartache is that you know if you really if there was an author that was only going to be there for one day, you mm-hmm. know, like Saturday, um, you had to skip a session or at least part of a session mm-hmm. to uh, to get your stuff signed. But anyway, um, so the first uh, session Saturday morning was Heroes of the Dark Imperium with with uh, Nick Kime and Guy Haley in the audience chamber, Into the Darkness, with David Annandell and C.L. Werner in the briefing chamber, and um, the art of script writing in the strategium. So this is, let me explain what the strategium is for people who may not know and may want to go to the Weekender. Mm -hmm. So if you have any aspirations whatsoever to become a black library writer, uh, they, they have these workshops all week where you can go and basically interact with the editors um, and get tips on how to, you know, do submissions, how to put things together. So I thought, I that think that sounds was, really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it I was mean, really cool. Even if you don't want to go to Black Library, like specifically. Yeah, I think you could probably pick up some good tip, job tips. skills. Yeah. 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 How to pitch, you know, how to work with an editor, how to, you know, create sort of. Yeah. 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 So I didn't go to any of those because I, <laughs> you know. I basically don't know how to write, you know. This is why I'm on a podcast. <laughs> if we know. had real skills, we'd all be doing something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Also, it's never too late to learn. Maybe next year. No, that's true. No, yeah, yeah, no. But uh, but so so I chose. Um, well, I won't tell you what I chose. Austin, what would you have chose out of out of those three first events? All right. So first events. Let's come across the top here. What is Into the Darkness? I mean, Heroes of the Dark Imperium, that to me is, we're going to talk about, you know, 40K, the new stuff, the good guys. But Into Darkness, what is that? I think it's their horror. Um, yeah, so we're ha- so so Black Library has really been um, pushing, um, I think, their horror genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? they've got, like, a grown-up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, I don't know why I just did air quotes. It's, it's a grown-up. <laughs> 40k 30k it crosses Sigmar, all yeah. like all of all their stuff to kind yeah. of get back to where not where they were i guess but in like the rogue trader some of the early black library stuff there's some heavy shit going on yeah, yeah. and now like for better or worse they're this huge international company they're the biggest model maker in the world they're apparently england's greatest manufacturer yeah which still amuses the hell out of me yeah. And they, they appeal to, like, teenagers and kids. And you can't put that stuff in, you know, Go Trek and Felix like you used to. Yeah, I think that's right. So I think I, it's a different market. Honestly, I think I would have hit that up because I'm I'm intrigued by the concept. I haven't 
actually got a hold of any of the books. One of the reasons being I can never tell which ones are like 40K related or like 30K related. Or Age of Sigmar. Yeah, like, like I can't tell yeah, which goes where yeah. a lot yeah, of the yeah. time. Um, so I just haven't, you know, pulled the trigger on one. But I am intrigued that they would have kind of a different feel to everything. Yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, I haven't really been able to get into any of the horror. Have you, Caro? Caro? I have not read anything. I know we listened to uh, one. We were listening to a on a road trip to uh, Road to Perdition. I believe that's the name of it. How was it? Um, I think you hadn't listened to the last half hour. Um, I was enjoying it, but I couldn't help but fact feel it was just a forty k. Not it was a forty k audio drama. It didn't have necessarily a ten a tinge of like horror per se because it's chaos like you know there's chaos on the ship and i think that part of that kind of takes away to a certain that, extent i can yeah. see that i was always it's good the story was, is great yeah but it doesn't have that horror spine tingling which personally you know i haven't had in a long get. time either so yeah. she's grown up now yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i will say yeah. that back in the day when they had let some me, elements let me of get that. you a spine tingling <laughs> oh. tax us <laughs> us but anyway, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just got those <laughs> yeah. letters come in That's today. That's true. Yeah. Um, no, but but yeah, I always did prefer the the fantasy when they tried to do the horror because in 40k it it's chaos. Sure, like you can. It's real easy to say, okay, the the terrible thing is going to be chaos, and it'll be creepy and disturbing, but it's mm-hmm. chaos, and you're you're like expecting it. Yeah, or nids, or necrons, <laughs> you know, dark Eldar. You can nail it down, and and I feel like in fantasy, at least in the old world. There was enough creepy overlap that it, like, it could be chaos, but is it Skaven? Is it vampire counts? Is it a bunch of friggin' just other creepiness from a dark hole somewhere? Yeah. Um, yeah, the boogeyman in the yeah. closet. Because exactly. they pull out some yeah. weird stuff. Yeah. So, I, And I don't know if Age of Sigmar would still give you that. I don't know. I mean, they I don't have, know enough about I think there's some it. Sigmar like, horror as well. Yeah, there's too. Sigmar there's horror, but I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's kind of like how 40K is where you can... There's Tell. old world yeah, horror right. too. There is, yeah, still, yeah, actually, yeah, still yeah, making. Right. That's really where the that's old world really into. keeps. <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I would probably check that out. I would probably would have done that. All right, let's let's see here. You go pass, first. Pass it around. Yeah. yeah. We're we're on, we're still on. Which the one first would you session. go to first? The first session. If you had to make a choice, Carol. Probably also do Into the Darkness, just because I am a big fan of horror in general, and I would like to see what others what other things they have apart from. Oh, boy. Oh boy, it's chaos. Yeah, like you just said. Also, I really enjoy a lot in in horror. I love the psycho horrors, or the psycho stories. So I wonder how well that would work together with Warhammer. Mm. So that would be a pretty interesting thing. Uh, let's see here. So there's Heroes of the Dark Imperium with Nick Kime and Guy Haley, Into the Darkness with David Annandale and C. L. Werner. Werner, sorry, I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> the Art of Script Writing, as you mentioned, with Gav Thorpe. John French and Chris Rate, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then you can also go to the administrator and uh, get Dan Abnett or Neil Roberts to sign your books. Oh, oh. shit! Didn't you didn't <laughs> tell oh. me that? Oh, oh sorry. Oh, books, books. <laughs> um, I think I would personally, if it was my first time ever, I'd probably go with the. <sighs> if I yeah, flip a coin, flip a coin. <laughs> Maybe well, Dan, Roll let's a see, D6. Let's see. Dan Abnett signs later on that evening. 
He's the last to sign. Dan's there all weekend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Dan's doing a lot of signing. Um, I, which is good because yeah. I was about to yeah. say yeah. that's his only. <laughs> no, yeah. that's his only block. I'm there. I'll, t- I'll tell you about yeah. that yeah. in, so in a little bit. I'm here for know. one hour, then I'm gone, yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, I, if it was my first time, Heroes of the Dark Imperium. Would be well, that's first. good because that's what I went to. Um, so that's what I can tell you guys about uh, in a little bit of of detail if my memory doesn't totally fail here. Um, so the way this is set up is, uh, at least in this audience chamber, you've got, uh, Nick Keim, uh, who among other things, also an author, but the editor for the Horace Heresy, right? The lead editor. Um, but also has written books in, um, the Dark Imperium, specifically books, uh, that deal with the Ultramarine character, Felix, help me out here. Do you remember? He's like the, the right hand of... Rebute Gilliman when he comes back. He's been around forever and ever and ever. He was one of Call's like first Primaris. Oh, I don't know I, any Primaris. You know who name. I'm talking about. I do, but it's been a while since yeah, I, yeah. I remember that book, but I don't know. Who yeah, so, so, yeah, so he, he's basically, so Nick's talking about uh, that character, and then, of course, Guy Haley is talking about Belisarius call. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. I was waiting. <laughs> Sorry. You, guys were, you, guys, you guys were doing so. That's cool. For those listening at home. <laughs> he, yeah, he was just so, waiting for us to answer. We don't know. So the way this is set up is um, they're they're on a, a sort of a stage, and uh, Kate Hammer, or Kate Hammer, uh, one of the lead editors for uh, Black Library, uh, works with pretty much all the big-name authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate's awesome. So she's the moderator, I would say, of this, and so she's come with... Some questions to sort of lead the discussion. And so the, you get into um, the juxtaposition, I would say, of, of so, sort of what who is Belisarius Call, what are his motivations, what is he doing um, in the 41st millennium, and mm-hmm. then also juxtaposed to, I want to say it's Cato. It's, I don't think it is, though, is it? Cato Sicarius. Oh, yeah. Is that who it yeah. is? No, maybe. I don't know if that's who it is. It's one of my favorite Warhammer memes, actually. Cato <laughs> Sicarius. Um, Look it up. You know, I, I really, <laughs> I apologize. I don't have my notes together. Uh, but the character itself, and Nick says this during the session, is based a little bit loosely on Aenid Thiel. Mm. So he's kind yeah. of the, he's an ultramarine, but he's not like a, uptight the spiritual successor the spiritual exactly thank you so so it was a really interesting exploration i think of the 41st millennium through these two characters um you know with uh with guy haley who you know has just written so much but also uh has really pushed i think the narrative forward for the dark imperium and uh, so he talked a little bit about that and what calls up to um Call is up to so much. <laughs> so he talks a little bit about his latest book, um, his great works, right? So calls back on, um, Fer- uh, not Pharaohs, um, so 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 Sotha, Sotha, yeah, Sotha, where yeah. the Pharaohs yeah, is, yeah. where yeah. the Pharaohs is. Thank you, yeah, Sotha, where the Pharaohs is, oh, and yeah. and so guy talks about how this is really, in a lot of ways, the sequel to the heresy. Mm. Right, so it's tying up plot lines from uh, the heresy, and even in that book, you flash back to early call, and so you tie up some loose ends from Wolfsbane. You remember when Call was awesome? Yeah, yeah. yeah we were, he was yes. like flying around with that his like fucking partner in crime. Yeah, excuse me, um, but yeah, this is an adult podcast. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that guy. Um, 
and so you know that so they 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 do tie up some things and then they advance the plot forward that's very cool nice so yeah i i think that was sort of the first session and uh i don't know you guys have any questions about that there's like a little yeah. Q&A at the end, and I don't think I asked any questions in this one. Was there anything no. like mind-blowing in this particular one? Like there was like any deep, not even just mind-blowing, but like really cool insights. It's like, oh, that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, so so I will say this, um, and this was sort of repeated throughout the weekend. Um, Guy and John French and, and sort of Dan Abnett and sort of all the the the, the – the big name authors um, that were at the weekend are right for Black Library. So they talked about this. There's sort of been this paradigm shift, I would say, uh, where when you're writing stories about major characters, characters that have models, mm-hmm. right? You're not allowed to do certain things. Like you're not allowed to kill them, right? Mm-hmm. You're not allowed, right? You know what I mean? And, so most major ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the exploration is very nuanced. You sort of get into um, you know, exploring really, you know, their inner psyche more mm-hmm. and uh you have to work around the edges. You're allowed to advance the plot line a little bit, but um, you know, no you can't do anything major, right? Yeah. So. Can't chop a hand off yeah, can't you, do yeah. you can't bring it to nine 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 M forty two. Right. You could probably chop a hand off. There's so many bionics. I mean, for Belisarius, you probably could like slice him in half and just be like, and he got a new one. Don't worry, we'll have a model out in 10 years. <laughs> Belisarius 2.0. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's the greatest thing about Belisarius Call. And it, it's not something that John talk, or Guy talked about, but there is so much room to explore Belisarius Call more, mm-hmm. like 9,000 years. I feel like I mentioned this in a previous uh, episode, which maybe I had because this is a weekly podcast, so I can completely forget what I say from day to day. Yeah. But it's just really cool how Belisarius is just this massive character that's so pivotal to the 40K universe now. Just more or less came out of nowhere in recent years yeah. with the yeah. Arc of 8th edition. Yeah, so so I will say this. Guy said Belisarius calls major motivation is to save humanity, to save the human species. Mm. So actually, for that, I've got a question. So we know, and you, I kind of doubt you'll know the answer because who answers these sorts of questions? <laughs> but we know that the heresy, the books, the black books, all of it, has, like, there's been a lot of kind of writing, you know, for from a blank slate as far as the heresy goes. But also there was a lot of stuff that was, like, locked in a box somewhere from... 10, 20 years before the Harris even <laughs> became a book, they're like, okay, yeah, we knew how this went down. And now we're finally going to tell this story. So my question is, is Bellius, Belisarius call from that box? Did I, anybody ask that question? I, I don't know. And no, I don't, I don't know if anyone asked that question. And well, I know nobody asked that question. And uh, if anyone had asked that question, I don't know who would be able to answer it. Right. So you wonder like who cracked it open. Take a look. It's like, we haven't used this guy yet. Yeah. Let's or I mean, out. and maybe it wasn't Belisarius call, but maybe it was like, Hey, you know, we know that G man set up this project that's been forgotten about for 10,000 years. Yeah. Like, is that something that like back in the mix of time, you know, 
we're switching over to third edition, boys. What are we pulling out of the box? Well, not that one shake this time box, around. We'll wait. Box, we'll wait on it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me jump ahead just uh, a yeah. little bit to answer Austin's question. Sure. So on Sunday morning, they have uh, this thing right here called um, the meet and greet. Mm-hmm. And it's it starts at 9.30 on Sunday, so it's, it's very reasonable, right? Because everybody's up late drinking on Saturday. Naturally. Literally. Yep. Um, except for me, because I was being um, boring and a lightweight and trying to make my way through the fucking Sabah crusade. You know, and ain't it fucking worth it? Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I probably. <laughs> I missed. mean, maybe not late night drinking with like Dan Abnett, that, yeah. but well, I don't think Dan was down there. Uh, so you're fine. Yeah. So, but but Dan was at the uh, the meet and greet on Sunday morning at nine thirty, and I got to sit down at a table with Dan and maybe four or five other people. And so, in a roundabout way, this question came out. Uh, so, who basically approves those? major plots uh, or, or, you know, major events that move the plot forward or shift your understanding of the, you know, the broader cosmos, the universe. Mm -hmm. So it used to be Alan Merritt. Alan Merritt has since retired. Um, Alan Merritt, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, was and has been always sort of head of IP, author of Visions of Heresy, going way, way, way back. Um, but Alan Merritt has retired, and so now there are nameless Alan Merritt clones who are the <laughs> entities that uh, control the IP. So, yeah, that's Fucking how suits. that's how you get to go through. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just Dan Abnett and Graham McNeil <laughs> drinking maybe. a box somewhere. Maybe I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, let's get back uh, to. Yeah, I'm sorry I made you skip ahead. No, 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 that's good. I think it keeps it Plow keeps, keeps it lively. So the next pod uh, or the next session was 11:30 to 12:30 Siege of Terror the First Wall with Gav Thorpe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll pass that book around cuz I have it. God, it looks like the Bible with an <sighs> iron warrior on I mean, the That's exactly what I told you. So well like, done. It's beautiful. Yeah. I think I got a book like this from my grandpa, but it's it was hefty. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know anyone else who's I'm I'm opening it to a random page and not, like, focusing on any of the words. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. And and, and that was available for the first time at the Weekender. Um, Very cool. And they didn't run out, surprisingly. And they weren't limiting. Really? Yeah. No, I take that back. They were. I'm sorry. Uh, My apologies. (laughs) My apologies. They... They were, you got a ticket when you walked in the door, and that ticket let you get one of the uh, uh, Siege of Terra first wall from Gav Thorpe. So the other, thanks, Jesse. The other uh, session was Holy Ordos, and uh, this is with Dan Abnett, John French, and Mike Brooks. And then in the strategium, you have a look, a peek behind the curtain with... Richard Garten, Kate Hammer, who I talked about before, one of the lead editors for Black Library, and Hannah Hughes, also um, an editor for Black Library. So this is a peek behind the curtain, uh, really unprecedented access, I would say, because these are the editors that work with Aaron Dembski-Bowden, Dan Abnett, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Nick Kime. Uh, so you're getting, you're getting a access and advice to uh, 
really the lead editors in Black Library. So very cool. All right. Um, before I tell you which one I went to, um, Austin, which one would you go to? Well, one, I'm fairly confident you went to the first wall. However, I would hit up the Holy Orders. One, um, it's got Dan Abnett in it. And if I'm going to pump anyone for information, it's going to be him. Two, I really love the Holy Ordos. And at the Q&A time, I would be asking about the obscure ones just to see what the deal, like mm. the Ordo Excorium and all of those fun people. Um, and then lastly, because I haven't read the first wall yet. So like, I don't want any spoilers. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Kara? Behind the curtains. I have not read the for any of the Siege of Terror books yet. I'm horribly, horribly behind. But I got them for my birthday, so I might pick them up soon. I don't know yet. I've got them in Minnesota, so I'm going to do that then, I guess. Yeah, pick them up yeah. and you have some downtime. You're yeah, not going to want to yeah. put them down. But I would do Behind the Curtain, definitely. Yeah, but get some stuff. Yeah, between the Holy Ordos with Dan Abnett, John French, and Mike Brooks. Yeah, like a, and Behind I, the Curtain. I said Dan Abnett. The other two are not slouches. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that was a tough call, but <clears throat> really curious to see what Behind the Curtain. <sighs> oh, man. I guess. I mean, and we're just making the decision yeah. notionally. <laughs> I know, like, right? Yeah. Did you I'm just not, like roll a D three for some of these? Like, no, this is really why I tried to stay sober for most of the the weekend. Sure. Uh, yeah, it was it was um, because this was really a big, yeah. a big decision yeah. behind the curtain. Yeah, Jesse, behind the curtain. Yeah. We gotta go there someday and just split up the whole time. And oh, I yeah. Keep oh yeah, come back and notes. Take, notes. take notes. Yeah. Right. Well, you. You, Austin, may be surprised that I, I also went to the Holy Ordos. Oh, so, interesting. So this All will right. be good. All this right. will be exciting for you. So, in and this is in a different briefing chamber. So this is, well, this is in a different uh, room, the briefing chamber. Um, and Dan and John and Mike are sat on a couch, and I'm in the front row, and there's like three feet. I mean, it was very intimate, right? Like, it was... Really cool. And then they had a, um, an editor from the Black Library who was also kind of serving as a moderator for this. The topic, of course, is uh, Holy Ordos as the Inquisitors. Um, all three of the authors have written extensively about Inquisitors. Dan, obviously, Eisenhorn, Ravenor. Um, John French has wit written the Covenant series, which I don't know if you've read or not. Sort of mm -hmm. Resurrection. Um the other divination. Is and that the Horusian Wars? The Horusian Wars, yeah. yeah. I've, I've read the first one, but I haven't yeah. the other two. Yeah. Um, so Dan and John both come at this from a very similar place, which is the old 54 millimeter game, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Inquisitor, yeah. Which started all of this, I think, yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and Mike Brooks, is he's a relatively recent um, Black Library author. Uh, he just wrote Rites of Passage, which was a book about navigator houses, but also featured an Inquisitor. So Mike was in there as well. Um, you know, the, the, the great thing that, that all three of them talked about when writing about Inquisitors is, you know, Inquisitors are almost sort of um, exclusive in humanity in that they get to know everything. Mm -hmm. They get to peek behind the curtains, right? Yeah. They get to know all the dirty secrets of the Imperium, and then the greatest lie that you that you're told is that the Inquisition 
is working to some common goal, right? Yeah. To protect humanity. But what you've been told is a lie, right? <laughs> There's just all of these inquisitors out there just coming at this from different angles. And then you, 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 you have the Harusians, the Amalathians, you know, the Puritans, the radicals. And so, um, and they just talked about that. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. You know, how much psychic influence do you give an inquisitor? Dan talked about that a little bit. Like, um, do you want your inquisitors to be uh, really psychic? Probably not because it becomes a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, like, Eisenhower didn't start out as a radical psychic, right? No, he was very... Um, pedestrian. Yeah. <laughs> he was very pedestrian with his psychic powers. Like He could make you stand up if, you know, like if you didn't want to stand up, he could like make you stand up. Yeah, but yeah. he's not tangling with like alpha plus, no. like traitors, psychers, or any nonsense like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he like gets, and even a, Ravener, gets a nosebleed. And know? even Ravener wasn't that great until, you know, <clears throat> yeah, box. The accident. <laughs> um, I'll try not to do too many spoiler alerts, but I mean, they've been out for so long. Yeah, no, yeah. I... Yeah. Spoiler alert if you're talking about Pariah or later. And yeah. otherwise, guys, it's been like 20 years. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I'll yeah. be honest. Um, sp huge spoiler alert for those who worry. Just fast forward like 30 seconds. For, for uh, what, though? You realizing that, reali yeah, realizing that uh, Dorn killed Alfarius in the Horus Heresy novel. Um, what was it called? Praetorian, Praetorian Dorn. 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 Yeah. yeah. Made me actually read the book. <laughs> Well, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I got to see how that happens. And then I read the book. <laughs> so we, I mean, we won't get too off topic here, but. I still need to do that. Um, yeah. No, we won't get All right. Off yeah, no, no, we're good. No. We're back. Spoilers off. Continue All right. On. We're back. Hanging out. <laughs> um, and so, so it was really interesting. Um, Mike Brooks, uh, Inquisitor is not psychic. Uh, Inquisitor Nagiri, uh, if you have not read Rites of Passage, fantastic book. Uh, first really uh, full-length novel from, from Mike. Um, Mike showed up to the Weekender uh, with studded boots and a full mohawk in, like, a <laughs> Goliath style, like Goliath Escher style, right? Nice. It's, yeah, so... Um, he's, full underhive. Yeah, full underhive mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike was, what, was sporting it all. Um, but, yeah, no, really, really good... Uh, turn out there and then uh, you know and actually John talked about that as well so John French talked about his series um, the Harusian Wars Inquisitor Covenant and he said the most interesting character is not Covenant it's the retinue that surrounds him right mm -hmm. he said it's almost more interesting to write about them because they're the ones that you can creatively play with right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't were we talking about this just recently about how Inquisitor bands um, they're just kind of random, you know? Yeah, yeah. We were talking a little bit... Uh, Almost like God, a D&D &D party. Well. Yeah. Like a D&D &D party, but like... You just pick them up, right? Yeah, they're yeah. just weird. Like <laughs> They're like NPCs, man. It's like, you know, I met this guy on the street, and now yeah. he's part of my war NPCs band. NPCs that also, generally speaking... I mean, not that they would say no, but they can't say no. Because a lot of, like, a not insignificant percentage of Inquisitor, like close henchmen or people that they were like, fuck, look, <laughs> I know you've done some shit. You're not the guy I'm looking for right this second, but if you don't help me, I will immolate you. <laughs> and that's like the guy's come to Jesus moment, right? Sure, yeah. And he gets him on the straight and narrow. 
or it's like I'm some awesome. guard officer and they're just, oh, I, I guess we'll roll with, yeah, this sounds better than <laughs> standing under a barrage waiting for the orcs to come. <laughs> it's a little duress. Yeah. A little, little duress, yeah. Mm. But just, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, this just sounds so... <laughs> God, you're fine. Sorry. <laughs> oh. I mean, it's 40k. It's yeah. dark, and that's also not yeah. like, not like that sort of thing doesn't happen in the real world, right? Like, yeah, that's where you know CHSs and snitches come from. Like, <laughs> somebody sets him down and be like, "Look, I'm gonna nail you to the fucking wall, or you're gonna work for us." Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, it's it was a really good session. Um, so they talked a little bit about their different characters and and sort of the ordos, um, you know, writ large. And they got to the Q and A, and I asked uh, Dan specifically, uh, but I, you know, all of three of them. I said, uh, "What I, you know, basically what I what I love is sort of the exploration of." Um, you know, the warp, right? The peak behind the curtain. And mm-hmm. because inquisitors are allowed to know everything, I think they're a really good vessel, a really good opportunity for, um, you know, those authors to do sort of, not exposition, right? Not like essays, but uh, play with ideas like the warp, you know? And Dan actually said a really interesting thing. He said, you know... Um, Sometimes those things are left a little unexplored, you know? Like, mm. you know, something is... is you can't fill it all in all the boxes. You can't, yeah. right? I mean, something is, is sort of, of insane as the Imperium and the Immaterium, you know? Uh, you, you just can't fully, fully explore that. But, um, but yeah, he said it is tempting. You gotta I, leave some secrets in the dark. Yeah, although I would really love a, like, kind of an in-universe, like, book that's just, like, a collection of essays by Inquisitors on the various things. And, like, they can be totally contradict. Like, you could read one that's, like, the warp is this, and I'm, like, 99% certain, and I'm Inquisitor Lord so-and-so, and I've done all this research, and here's what it is. And the next one could be like, I'm Inquisitor Lord so-and-so. I'm writing at the exact same time. I've looked at most of the same stuff, and it is completely the opposite. <laughs> Just like, cause it's it's really interesting for me to get into their heads. Like when in Inquisitor, when they talk about like Amalathians and like Horusians yeah. and all Istvanians and all these sort of things. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to see like the motives. Because then the next time you read about an Inquisitor, like the one that shows up in Gaunt's Ghost in the early going, like an Inquisitor... Um, and the second, the well, second Welt, Ghost book, I think it was no, it wasn't uh, well. No, that it was, was the, the woman Inquisitor whose name I forget, but she shows up in the second book because the ghosts, um, are running a scam. <laughs> like they're running a scam game where you know the house always wins, <laughs> and somebody accuses Bryn Milo of being a psyker, mm. and Bryn might be a psyker <laughs> like there's a lot of weird like he can Might sense artillery been. barrages like uh, two yeah. seconds before everybody else like that sort of stuff yeah yeah and she comes in and she's interrogating him and gaunt both about like you know if this kid's a witch we gotta fucking burn the witches mm-hmm. and so if you have this sort of kind of underlying understanding of inquisitors yeah that's just another 
that adds to that other story that you're reading. She's like, man, is she like, how hardcore is she? Is she a radical? Is she like cool about all this? Like, <laughs> how many inquisitors do you think Dan actually has over the series of the Gaunt, the Gaunt's Ghost? I novels? can. So there's Welts. There's the woman whose name I can't remember. There's Heldane. There's Circle. Um, who's Circle? Maybe, maybe not or not Circle. Uh, uh, rhyme. Yeah, rhyme. rhyme. Yeah. So there's, call it three and a half. Yeah. There's at least three and a half I can name at the top of my head. And actually there's more than that. Because yeah. I want to say when Gaunt's on trial. Yes. There's a second, there's at least one other Inquisitor on that panel. I think you're right. Yep. So yeah, your boy's experienced. Yeah. And I love the way he brings him into Gaunt's because it's not about the Inquisitors, but they just play such a crucial role, right? They're like foils. Yeah. And they're yeah. kind of, they, they let you see it from the other side, right? Because in yeah. Eisenhower and Ravener and all the other books, like, the guy is the Inquisitor. He, ex like, his life is all this crazy bullshit. Like, yeah. The Brent, yeah. Brent Milo, 16-year-old piper of an unknown guard regiment, walks in, and there's an Inquisitor there, and you can damn near feel his, like, oh, fuck, I didn't even think you guys were real. <laughs> like. Yeah. No, definitely. Let me just very really quick, quickly go back to something you said, which is I would love a book of essays. And I know you said in-universe essays, but I want to go back and tie that to something that I asked Nick Kime in the very first um, session. And I said, I collect the limited edition books um, for a lot of reasons. They're beautiful, um, they're just gorgeously bound and, and really well done. But they include... Um, usually these authors' uh, essays, right? Either a foreword or afterword mm -hmm. or some note about the book, especially in the Horus Heresy. And Nick said, um, and this is relating to the Horus Heresy book specifically, he said, he said that's awesome. Thank you very much. Um, I wanted to do that with all of the limited edition books, but specifically for the Horus Heresy because it was going to be such a special, um, you know, sort of event, the Siege of Terra, I'm sorry, the Siege of Terra, mm -hmm. Solar War, mm -hmm. right, going forward. Um, he said, I expanded that out from a thousand words. So usually a thousand words is what a typical forward or afterward would be from the author. In um, the Siege of Terra books, you get 3,000 words. Hmm. So that was Nick putting that in there. And I said, you know, I would love to have a collected version of author's essays, whatever that is, in-universe, not in-universe, yeah. but just exposition from these authors on what is the Warhammer 40,000, 30,000, old world, what is the universe, you know? Yeah, I mean, and either way, they'd be a real interesting read. Because yeah. in-universe, like from a fluff perspective, yeah, that's, that's all 100% from the fluff. It's all canon. It's all intriguing. But when the authors start writing as the authors, then you can get some, like, you know some shit's going to be real. Some right? real like, insights. Yeah. Yeah. What so, goes on. Yeah, yeah. So I either either one of those, uh, the one guy that knows a guy that knows a guy that knows somebody at Black Library that may listen to this podcast, <laughs> we fully support this plan. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, um, moving on, we, we got an hour break for lunch, um, which was great. Did you have the fish and chips? Uh, I did not, but I had the beer. So I will tell you guys this. Another plug for Hotel uh, Belfry or Belfry Nottingham. Uh, there's a bar set up right outside of both of these chambers. So you can literally walk out, 
get a beer and walk back in or awesome a mixed drink or sure can you take it with you though yeah awesome yeah anywhere you want you're in a hotel (laughs) i mean yeah you can go nuts um so i had a beer with me most of the time but you know they're they're like english stella artois yeah they're not 18 percent Double IPA, you know, crazy <laughs> shit that crazy we have. Over here. They're 5% Stout. to room temperature. Yeah, and you can drink them yeah. all day and you feel good. So the next session uh, was Saints and Martyrs with Rachel Harrison, um, Vaults of Obsidian with Nick Kime, Guy Haley, Gav Thorpe, and David Annandale. And then in the Strategium, Building a Narrative with Dan Abnett, Chris Rate, and Mike Brooks. And uh, John French, Justin Hill, Jake Orzga, Richard, sorry, you're going to pronounce the name wrong, Strachan, and Ray Cluley were doing signings. So, Austin, to you. Um, Gates of Obsidian, that, or Vaults of Obsidian, that's a Age of Sigmar thing, if memory serves, right? No, actually, no? I think this was dealing a little bit with the Blackstone Fortresses, although I didn't oh, go. That, that I did not go. Okay. Yeah, Vaults of Obsidian. Uh, Vaults yeah. of Obsidian, yeah, because yeah. I, I think there's like an Obsidian Gate or something. Yeah, it's a similar yeah. thing. But honestly, I, and now I just feel like I'm stalking Dan Abnett. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, most people were. Yeah. And I, I may well. Yeah. Um, but like as much as Saints and Martyrs intrigues me, both as a bookend concept, let me pass it around because I have it right here. Oh, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous. I think building a narrative, because one of the things that personally I like to do for like our campaigns and yeah. for like the Battlefleet Heresy stuff that I've been doing uh, with Steven is tying things together and sort of, you know, Will and D43 and kind of getting it all feeling like a place. Yeah. Um, and like when I do campaigns, I want to like feel that the campaign, like you're invested in a planet or a system or a sector or whatever. Um, you, so yeah, that'd be real interesting. You do world building probably better than anyone else I know. And you do world building a lot like Dan does. And I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that in a little well, bit. Well, that is hugely complimentary. No, it's, and yeah. um, I have nothing like, I may not kill you and steal all your shit before you leave here after yes. all. <laughs> Um, I knew where you went because you told me a little bit earlier before the podcast, but um, having a building a narrative with Dan Admit, Chris Rate, and Mike Brooks just sounds really interesting. Yeah, because I want to know how it works. Yeah, well, absolutely. Like in my burgeoning quest to become a little more creative than what I am right now, like that's something that I would go to. You've you've uh, started drawing, I think, a little bit, just a hair, just yeah. a hair. So I'm I'm just flipping through this beautiful beautiful book. Um, readers, and I just I just want to read for those of you that have not thought about um, Mark of Faith or Sisters of Battle or anything like that. I randomly was flipping pages, flipped it open to what I think is the first page of the story, and the first sentence is the sky overhead is raining fire, and that just screams thirty k, forty k, grimdark insanity to me. Um, I'm not going to look at any more of it because otherwise I'll just drop out of the podcast entirely and read a book. Um, but yeah, you, you made the right call there. See, I would have gone to Saints and Martyrs just because I enjoy the single stories of war of the Warhammer universe often more than the whole story building and world building. Partially also because I have a really hard time following multiple people, especially when I have to read the names. 
most of the times <laughs> I don't get the connection how they're pronounced. And then I know, oh yeah, this person would be. <laughs> then you all start talking about them and I don't get it. As far as characters in books? Yeah, names, places. I don't get the connection between writing or how they're written, how they're pronounced. It just disconnects in English for me. Do you? That's fair. And Carol, you've talked about this before. You actually prefer reading Eisenhorn in German, I think. I never tried it in German, but I cannot stand it in English at all. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the first first person that that just throws you off? Yeah. For me, I learned... In the German language, the worst thing you can do is repeat the same beginning. And the few, the few p- chapters I read of Eisenhorn, it was always I. I, I, I did this, I did that, I, I, I. That's pretty much how you have to do it in it's English. It's the yeah. trap, exactly. the trap yeah. of first person. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, this is one of the worst things you can do. Also, it doesn't help that I is pronounced like egg in German. Ooh, so. Yeah, that could be yeah. rough. So, yeah, <laughs> You're yeah, constantly yeah. thinking about... Eggs. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, no. Yeah. Egg went to the store today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I do think, I mean, Black Library has been translated. I think almost all of their books have been translated into German. So Yeah, I mean, I could look for it, but I c- on the other hand, I'm also like, do I really want to read The Big Brother War? Yeah, well, next the time Big Brother War. Is that what <laughs> is that the, what the horse heresy is called? As far as I know, yeah. Is the Big Brother War. And this is oh, the pit, that's perfect. This is the pitfall of a 30-year-old company that started out in like somebody's, you know, office space. Yeah. Is that they hired for their first translation into German some like college kid who was like, oh, I've taken 200 level German, sure. And translated it. Into the big Dilly brother didn't war. know the word for heresy. Yeah. So it was just like, eh, this is a big war and there's brothers in it. <laughs> Fuck it. Good enough. And now it's forever. Yeah. And the now big like the, yeah. the guys yeah. at GW were like, oh, that sounds good. Because everything in German sounds good <laughs> to an Eng- like an English speaker. They t- you laugh. You know it's true, Carol. You've That's been here hilarious. long enough to know it's true. People tell me I sound angry. So. Always. Exactly. It always sounds angry and important. Yes. Very important. As long as it's important. Yep. Well, um, spoiler alert, I did go to Saints and Martyrs with uh, Rachel Harrison, and it was fantastic. Um, So Rachel, um, among other things, uh, being an author of long-form fiction, this is her second full-length novel. Her first one was the Sabrina Rain um, Honor Bound that came out at the last... Oh, yeah, that was actually a really good read. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So um, Rachel's been part of Black Library for a long time. Uh, she's actually the managing art director right now, which we'll come back to. Um, pretty big deal. Uh, and I guess in her spare time, she writes, uh, in addition to being the managing art director for uh, Black Library. So uh, Saints and Martyrs is a look at, um, obviously, the Sisters of Battle and the faction. What's the main faction? Uh, Order of Our Martyred Lady? Yes. Order of the Bloodied Rose? No. Uh, okay. Martyred, no, Martyred Lady. Order of Our Martyred Lady. So so she's specifically looking at that and sort of the themes that she's exploring is what does it mean? Um, so for the Order of Our Martyred Lady, it's, it's sort of, um, I don't know how to say this, but it's, it's um, you're seeking an honorable death in battle. You're, you're seeking yeah. martyrdom. You've... Yeah. Yeah, You've got a suicide complex. But yeah, but maybe not. But yeah, not suicide though. 
But yes, an honorable death in battle is sort of the highest. Sa- uh, samurai. You're, you're trying to samurai yeah. it up. <laughs> I think that's a better, yeah, yeah. I think that's maybe a good analogy. And so the the theme that she's exploring here is what happens when that, or, or you know, so what happens to a character when that doesn't happen? So the character here, um, no spoilers because I haven't read it. Um, it literally just came out. What happens when you're part of that culture and you don't die in battle? So you're, you, you survive and you're marked the mark of faith, um, but you maybe wanted to die with the rest of your squad mates. You know? So there's some, she's exploring some pretty deep themes in terms of like survival and survivor's complex and everything else. Um, but also, you know, in the 40,000 universe, which is super dark and super grim and just Rachel's all in there. Uh, it's just, it, yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really good read. Nice. So, and, uh, and so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I asked her a question. I said, uh, I, I said, um, what does faith mean for, um, for you as an author and exploring the sisters of battle where faith is such a big theme, you know, faith for us, uh, is sort of an existential thing. You, you, it can't be proven. Um, you know, your faith is sort of in, intrinsic to who you are. It's internal, but in a 41, you know, M41, demons are real. The sky is burning. And what does that mean for your faith? And, and so, you know, she said it's really, it's, it's, it's very different. You know, and uh, you can't really look at it from a common, a current, a current context because it's not. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. You almost got to go back, you know, a thousand years where, yeah, miracles absolutely happen. They're, yeah, it's a thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> stand down the street, like fucking walks now. We didn't have science. So yeah. if you, you couldn't walk for 20 years and then one day you just got up and started walking. That was a real miracle, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Also, yeah. it's a weird miracle. We gotta burn someone. <laughs> gotta burn someone. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the dark side of that, right? Where yeah. you have to, you literally have to burn someone. She said she got a lot of inspiration from the James Swallow um, novels, obviously on Sisters of Battle, and then she took a lot of inspiration from the Codex, the Fifth yeah. Edition Codex. Gotcha. Oh, nice. So very grounded, very grounded in acts of faith, very grounded in that sort of tradition of. Um, you know, Sisters of Battle and, and uh, the James Swallow works there. It was, a, it was a great pod. All right. We are closing in on Saturday. The next event was Hammer of the Emperor with Dan Abnett. Again, Rachel Harrison. <laughs> Justin Hill. Navigating the Dark Millennium. John French, Mike Brooks, and Guy Haley. And Crafting Characters with David Annandale, C.L. Werner, and Alec Worley, and then you could go get your book signed by Gav, Chris, and Nick. Austin, Aww. what would you do? <laughs> I love the guard, and the guard loved me, baby. Like, that's the hammer of the emperor right there. Really? Or are you talking space marines? No, 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 yeah. just, I'm just, oh, that's I'm, really, that's your choice, huh? But I'm saying, is it? That's what I'm asking you. Hammer of the emperor, that's the guard. Like the, oh, I didn't. The guard? I, well, so I'll, I was didn't. There, I was did there not anything go. Anything else to go on that other than just that little blurb title? Like, did you have no? Yeah, is, is there like a little in? thing? In, 
I don't think so. Anywhere? You know, yeah. honestly, they should put that in the program, shouldn't just, they? Just like a sentence or two. Being yeah. Like, yeah. In the program would be great. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Is it? I don't know. I've, I've never even it. looked at that thing. I don't know, because Navigating the Dark Imperium does sound like... Damn, well, that's what that's, you and Steven told me to go to. That's Navigator. I mean, it's Navigator. No, no, no. So That, that was a damn... That, that, that's good. That's Navigator. Shit. Yeah, I'm all about yeah. it. Oh, wait, here we are. Ah. Oh, there we are. Look at ah. right here. Oh, if I'd even opened yeah, it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so bad at this. All right, let's let's this stand by here. Work. Nice full two-page two page spread of everything that's going on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dan Abnett. Ra- so this is what it says, ladies and gentlemen. The Hammer of the Emperor, Dan Abnett, Rachel Harrison, and Justin D. Hill offer special insight into the glories and horrors facing the Imperium of Man's last line of defense. The Imperial Guard. You're so good at this. It says Astra Militarum, but we all know what it really is. Yeah. The guard, son. It's the guard. Guess what I didn't hear Dan say once during the weekend? Astra Militarum. That's right. You're goddamn right. <laughs> you're God, like, bless you, Dan Abnett. Um, and then Navigating the Dark Millennium. Uh, John French, Mike Brooks, and Guy Haley part the veil and gaze into the warp to talk about the mysterious yet crucial role of Navigator houses in the Imperium. And I would say... Literally any other segment besides Dan Abnett talking about the Imperial Fracking Guard yeah. would have had me at that one. Yeah. It really would have. Yeah. Guys? Character building. Character building? Character building. Uh, I do like the idea of Dan Abnett talking about the guard. Mm. And as much as I was oh, just talking the man about, oh, build invented, my creativity, I'm going to see Dan Abnett The man about invented the guard. Vox, all right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Prometheum. It's true. And just yeah. so much good stuff. He's the architect. <laughs> well, like, it's uh, like asking Von Claus, like, are you going to go see Von Clausewitz talk about war? Yes. No. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, looks from and now I feel a little bit bad. Uh, but no, I mean, these are hard decisions, you know? Yeah, they no, it, are. And yeah. it, like, yeah. it's a real tough call. Yeah, no, it's it. it the warp, the, the, that particular. Event does sound really unique, and like that's, that's what you're. That's what you're about. Like yeah. of yeah. the other two of us, like my, I love the guard, and the guard loves me. And you want to know about this warp bullshittery? I do. Like it's that's true. it. It's true. I'm going to get a probably the medal they pretend to give you when you die. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get a bolt round in the back of the head. <laughs> like, Not wrong. Well, I'll tell you the funniest, or yeah, probably the funniest thing about this uh, session: navigating the dark Imperium, or Sorry, navigating the dark millennium uh, with John French, Mike Brooks, and Guy Haley. So, um, John's been at this for a really long time. John literally wrote the book, as I'm passing yeah, around right yeah. now. Bastard. The Navis Primer, part of a um, 40k RPG endeavor that um, Games Workshop licensed to Fantasy Flight Games, probably. What, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, it's... It's been a while. God, maybe even longer than that. I want to say it came out when I was in high school. Yeah, and oh, we could probably find which out. It's distressing. <laughs> but, uh, but so... Rogue Trader. Rogue Trader. Um, Alan Bly, John French, Andy Hoare mm-hmm. uh, were instrumental in sort of the exploration, the deep dive of, of that background lore. So uh, what's really funny about this, right, is John... And Guy are both looking at each other. And Mike Brooks, who's like, you know, younger than I am, probably 30, maybe? Late 20s? I don't know. Um, And so John and Guy look at each other and they go, you want to know what we we both thought? When 
Mike wrote literally the first book on navigators. We're like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and also, why'd you let him write that book? <laughs> you know, um, to which Mike was just a really good sport about the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it was, um, it was entertaining from the very beginning. Uh, it was a look at navigators, obviously navigators and astropaths. Without those two, the Imperium doesn't function. Mm -hmm. Because uh, without navigators, you can't get anywhere. Uh, without astropaths, you can't send messages. You can argue which one's more important. Would you rather be able to send messages but not get the fuck out of town when chaos is coming? So you know chaos is coming, but you're like, I can't go anywhere. Or would you rather have navigators, which is like, um, okay, well, now I can actually travel through the warp. Uh, John... Well, and you would have appreciated this, Austin. John was very specific in that you can make short jumps, calculated um, jumps. What are they called again? Warp jumps? Warp well, no, I know Is that. that the <laughs> no, they're, um, uh, they're specific. Translations? They're the short, calculated warp jumps that you can basically dip into the... You can, like, skim. Yeah, warp yeah, and then come back out. Bounce off of it. It's what the Tau do. It's sort of, yeah. That's why their ships are weird shaped. Yeah. It doesn't really help. Based on charts and then hope you come out in the right place yeah. at the right time. But you can only do it for, like, five light years at a time or some, like, stupid yeah. short distance. You wouldn't get, get very far. Intergalactic travel. So they There are rules, gentlemen. That's right. Yeah, there, there are, are rules. Um, well, that's a funny thing because the Imperium having such a good... Like, as we all think, like, oh, God, navigators, and, like, people are getting sucked into the, into hell and everything's going to shit. It's a real good way to travel. Like, that's why the Tau didn't believe anybody. Cause they're like, you can't have a galaxy-expanding empire. It, it's too big. You can't get there. Nothing works. Humans, the fuck, the fuck do you mean us. you have a third eye and can do some shit? Monkeys. Like, that's why the Great Crusade worked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is literally why the Great Crusade worked and why the Emperor needed navigators. And so there was a very interesting conversation um, talking about sort of the history of navigators, general consensus that navigators predated um, the Imperium of Man, obviously, probably predated the Age of Strife, probably go all the way back to the Age of Technology. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, and I talked to you a little bit about this, Austin. Um, navigators may have been at one point manufactured specifically for this purpose. I heard about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so... And you vaguely mentioned a little bit about that. And so maybe what's happened since, you know, humanity's lost their sort of the, the high age of technology, right? Age of Strife and everything else is maybe what we have left is sort of the like leftovers, right? What happens when this manufactured product, this manufactured capability that we had to, to navigate through the warp um, is no longer capable of being sustained and then you have to revert back to stable bloodlines, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what the Navigator Houses are all about now is interbreeding sorry that sounds weird intermarriage um i mean but it is interbreeding well like it is yeah, yeah it is not, yeah, like they have right. dynastic marriages but it's it definitely it's genes first and yeah. even like second cousins later well even like inter-house <laughs> politics yeah. later like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like the royal houses of the 
royalty in Europe. Everybody yeah. is related to everyone, but you but it's like if you, if you if you don't produce any navigators, what are you Where? doing here? Get out of our house, literally. Yeah, and it, it's it is exactly like the houses in Europe, except if they didn't want to create horrible inbred children. Right. Yeah. So I mean, even the houses that hate each other will occasionally be like, "Look, we've been feuding for like yeah. more than ten thousand years." Yeah. But that just means you got some real good genetic data that we can use. So yeah, hopefully send you have a kid an Excel over. chart for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some type of weird yeah, Gantt chart. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So, so this was part of the conversation. Very interesting. Um, you know, houses can fail because mm-hmm. of this if you're not producing stable offspring, and um, you know, navigators can vary widely. Normally, um, young navigators look. Mostly human, and you know, as yeah, they time, wear a bandana and it's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Guns and roses, and you're cool, man. Um, <laughs> as time goes on, obviously more mutation occurs, and until you get to the very oldest navigator, and you know, maybe they're in a vault somewhere under the house chamber, buried in the basement. Nobody's allowed to talk to them. And I love that because yeah. guess the first time that that sort of stuff got explored. Gaunt's Ghost? No, no. It was actually the old Ragnar Blackmane series. Ooh. Yeah. Um, he... Was that he, William King? Who was that? Uh, yeah, I think it was William King. Yeah, he uh, loses the Spear of Russ by flinging it into a opening warp rift and hitting Magnus the Red square in the eye with it. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. That Love is it. badass. And My so... Eye. And he's a... He's a freaking blood claw Let that time. sink in for a second. Yeah. Magnus realized he just got hit in the face, and it and it was like so. It in was a big eye. it was a big spell to like spear. get all of the thousand suns that had been cast into the like destroyed and sucked into the warp, like to get all of them to like come back and like yeah. Magnus was going to materialize oh, oh, in the spoiler universe. Alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. spoiler alert! If you <laughs> haven't read the twenty five year old book, you're doing it wrong. But anyway, they just so, came out with an anniversary edition. I want to want to say I think, they, but um. Yeah. So yeah, so he does this yeah. as a blood claw, and all the wolf lords are like, <laughs> "Ragnar, you lost the goddamn spear of Russ, which Lehman Russ is supposed to wield in the end times." In, in fairness, but you did get rid of Magnus, so like they don't know what to do with right. him. So <laughs> the navigator house that's sworn to the space wolves, um, as part of that pact, the wolves. <clears throat> give them a dozen space wolves to act as kind of like personal guard uh-huh. on Terra. Mm. And it's kind of where the misfits go. There we go. <laughs> so they're just like, yeah, so a spot's opened up, so you're going to go do that for a while. Gotcha. And he goes, and like you get, uh, from like his perspective, um, but you get a great like look at all of the navigator houses and the politics and all the shenanigans like mm-hmm. that. Which yeah. Is great. Nice. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. Um, so it's good to see that old fluff being coming like, back, coming back. Cause it keeps my theory about Lehman Russ alive. And I love that. I love it. So in fairness to Ragnar, I mean, Lehman Russ has been trying to lose that damn spear for basically all of the heresy. Well, and that's the funniest thing is that you come one of the later books in that series, he meets the 13th company and uh, he kind of tells them this story because they're like, yeah. well, you seem like kind of a badass for a <laughs> fucking blood claw. Like, what's changed? He's like, oh, well, I did this. and I lost a spear of Russ. And like, woe is me. 
And they're like, oh, yeah. Lehman was leaving that thing fucking everywhere. He hated that fucking spear so much. Yeah. And, I, like, I loved that part about Wolfspear. Yeah. And, like, because, like, it seems a little weird, but it's also kind of funny that, like, oh, look at the, the 40K peasants. They don't, like, and this was before 30K, so I'm not, like, shitting on 40K players when I say that. But, like, look at the kids. It's been 10,000 years. They think dad's, like shittiest beer koozie is important like this is great <laughs> and then Wolfblade like comes back and like oh that's what he was doing well, yeah. that's really cool that is really cool that's a yeah. hell of a con- decades old callback yeah pretty awesome. yeah can I get you another drink oh yeah cheers don't um, get him too many I've got to okay. pump him for information okay we're, we're, oh, I'm, still, I'm still hanging I in mean, there I mean no 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 by all means by all means um, have another drink but. so I will say this I got to ask uh, at the end of the sort of facilitated conversation, I got to ask a question, and I said, and we've talked about this before. Actually, you guys, uh, I, I was I was sort of um, ragged about this, I think, on our little chat group, right? Um, I said, uh, so if navigators are really from the age of technology and before the age of strife, how the hell were they navigating the Imperium when I say Empyrean, Empyrean, right, the warp. How were they navigating the warp without the Astronomicon, without the lighthouse, right? And uh, Guy Haley, without missing a beat, sits up and says, oh, I've answered that. And then he looks around and goes, oh, I can't talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) And then he comes back around and he says, oh, I've answered that, but it's in a book, but it hasn't come out yet. And so I was just like, yes. So it's the light of Pharos. No, maybe. Uh, I don't think so. Because he talks about, well, there's a couple other places where yeah. weird. Pharos was already mentioned so often. If that would but there's it. weird Pharos related things that we've come across. Like um, the, the friggin' White Scars hit that station. Yeah. That was like Golden Throne point five. you know, like the beta yeah. test for the Golden Throne and the Astronomicon. <laughs> And it's like, well... Well, so he didn't, really, he didn't really answer it, but what he did is he said that navigator houses often have really, really old sort of historical knowledge, <laughs> old lore that they can reach back to. So, and this is actually pertinent to where we are now in M41 which, with the Great Rift, with half, half of the um, Imperium cut off. Uh, there are places that you can't navigate through the Astronomicon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and Mike Brooks talks about this a little bit too. Um, you know, it, you just have to do what you do. There are charts, sort of age of sale, uh, age of sale charts that you may break out. And um, I can't remember who it was. I'll probably misattribute this, uh, but it may have been John French uh, who said, you know, age of sale charts, Right. We'll get there. Um, I, I see it. I know. <laughs> He's gesturing at his leather-bound yeah. galactic map of the Sabbath worlds. For, which is very... For those of you not yeah. the four of us in this room. Which is very much done in the age of sail type of navigational charts. And um, I think it was John, because John is like a historian, uh, among many other things, said a lot of times those charts would be coded. So even if they fell into the wrong hands, you wouldn't know exactly yeah, how the, to use them. The French won't know about the harbor. Because, right. Because it says yeah. turn left at these rocks. But if you turn left at those rocks, you're going to die horribly on mm-hmm. some straits, you know? 
Um, so it's, it's, it was very cool to kind of go down this rabbit hole with these guys. Um, actually, I think that question and answer lasted probably 15 minutes. So nice. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. All right. Keep going. Yeah. All right. So, um, we're almost to the end of Saturday. This is second to the last pod. We've got... Siege of Terra, the beginning of the end with John French, Guy Haley, Gav Thorpe, and Neil Roberts. We've got Invocations with Nick Kime, David Annandale, Justin Hill, and a bunch of other people. Sorry, not trying to slight anyone here. And then The Secret to Pitching uh, in the Strategium with Chris Rate, Dan Abnett, and Rachel Harrison again. All right, I'm going to open this and figure yeah. out what those actually <laughs> yeah. mean. The Secret to Pitching, hopefully it's... I don't know, a pitcher? Dan Admit teaches you baseball. It's yeah, like, Would oh, be amazing. Baseball? Don't throw from the elbow. Isn't yeah. that something with beer, too? Pitcher? Pitcher full of beer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pitcher. Yeah. No? No? Um, so, Siege of Terror, Beginning of the End, is the authors and Horace Heresy artist Neil Roberts reflect upon the incredible journey so far. So it's kind of like a, a retrospective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Invocations. I... I assume this is a list of all the authors because it's uh, talk about their stories featured in the terrifying new Warhammer horror anthology. They were really doing a lot of horror this weekend. Yeah. Last week. It's like they're trying to hit it. It's new. Nobody's quite sure sure what's up, even if you're about it like I am. I don't really know what's going on. That's an interesting one. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What was the last one? Uh, The last one was a secret... Good. Yep. Panicking. Good. <laughs> uh, the secret to pitching. Um, so Chris Wright, Dan Abdett, and Rachel Harrison off their experience, knowledge, and techniques on how to write a great pitch for Black Library. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, and that's, a, let me just say, like, that's a great panel for that because you've got Dan, who's the godfather of Black Library, more or less. Mm. Uh, Chris Wright, another, like, respected, he's been there for a long time. But sort of, I guess, like like middle hammer for those of you that keep up with the cool trends of words. Yeah. And then Rachel Harrison, who's on book two. Yep. <laughs> so, like, That's you know cool. what it's like to write there. You know how it's been. And uh, Rachel here can tell you how to actually get hired nowadays because <laughs> she remembers. Yeah, we've, we've been on the dock in a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, so I learned a little bit about pitching. I didn't go to that that um, session. Yeah, I'd probably go to Siege of Terra. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, that's another one. That, like, that's a hard call for me. Yeah. Man, I kind of wish my English would be well enough to write something. On the other hand, nah. <laughs> you know, they might actually be kind of interested if you wrote it in German. Because they do have a large, like, 40K, 30K German following. Yeah. And it uh, would probably... And, like, they used to, for... Uh, I know the White Dwarfs, at least back in the day, would have different articles depending on, like, you get the French one, you get this, you get the German one, you get that, Yeah. compared to the English version. So there is a couple, I know the old Hammer guys talk about it all the time, where like, oh yeah, does anybody have a translation of like the German, you know, White Dwarf 70, because it has this cool battle report, or this cool, like, short story that never appeared anywhere else. Yeah. See, the the problem with it is, my hobby in English so I would have to translate mm-hmm. everything into German. <laughs> so I do know um, you could, but so you could actually have it say Horace Heresy, and just be like, guys. Yeah, but it is exactly the same thing. So you can't. How can it be? Like, what is it like? What, what did you say? We like Big Brother War before. You what was it before? You had a thirty years war between Catholics and Protestants. You have to have heretic. a word for heresy. Heretic works. 
it works. It's the exact same thing. Definitely. It's just it pronounced sounds better, different. actually. Yeah, it's, it, again, it, it sounds, sounds more, angry. more impressive and angrier. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but yeah, it, it is. And also, I, for, I keep forgetting German words. It's really sad, actually. So I think I'd be sitting next to a Austin for the Siege of Terra. But um, you mentioned, mm. we were talking, because we were talking about this quite a bit last time mm-hmm. with the German uh, translation stuff. Uh, guy named uh, Caius, I want to say his name is. I guess he's a uh, German, and he wrote down a, a comment on our last episode. Oh, my. And uh, he was talking about, uh, there's a list of German titles of the Horace here, Harisai. You can r- probably read some of it. Yeah, this is what it's normally translated. So heresy, heresy, yeah. Ketzerei. You can read most of it if you want. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just love already. Um, so heresy, the German word is spelled with an um, a, which is an a with the double dots above it. So this is what it normally translates to: the heresy, her- heresy, being a Greek word anyway. Heresy, different term to ketzerei, which rather describes the act of commu- committing fo- heresy and following heretic thoughts. The problem with the German translation is mostly the translation seems to have a decent crest on the English language, but not on the German language. Hmm. Yeah, or that's rather true. grammar. Yeah. And that's why translators get millions of dollars and tend not to yeah. work for war game companies. Yeah, like a good example is the title <laughs> Titandev, which is translated as Titanensterben. Pretty idiotic. It's um, Titans dying. Pretty much makes sense. Yeah, yeah but I like mean, that, that's how I would do but it. Doesn't Google quite translate give, doesn't quite give the same yeah, emphasis as he has not as much point gravitas. Here because as he would yeah. he would have translated as Titanen tot, which first off is shorter and it's not Titans dying, it's Titan death. Yeah, well, that, that would be the literal yeah. translation. Yeah, yeah. The nice thing with English is you can make a word like Titan death out of oh, nowhere and have it give a certain gravitas to the. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it. they do also t- tournaments in Germany. We might need to check yeah, that out. Yeah, they have a little... They yes, plug I a gotta get you there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, check out that comment. It's on our last uh, Facebook post of our last episode with the Goff Rockers and stuff. Yeah, he, he there's a link on there. Check it out. Yeah, you know, We got a YouTube page and everything. Seem like some pretty cool guys. Yeah, Chaos, thank you very much for your comment. Yeah, I think that's the right <laughs> word. <laughs> but... Awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, back to this. What did you go to? So I ended up going to the Siege of Terra, the beginning of the end. Big surprise. Um, yeah, so it was really cool to see Neil Roberts there, right? So Neil Roberts has illustrated every cover of every book in the Horse Heresy. That's a lot of books. To include, I think, some of the novellas, the short oh, sure. stories. Yeah. So we're talking 54-plus Books. I think there's like over 120 different about, titles. Yeah, there's yeah. like probably 70 covers. Yeah. Yeah. So Neil, I think Neil is really the unsung hero of the Horus Heresy. Because um, his covers and his illustrations are just so, they're so sort of powerful and intrinsic within the Horus Heresy itself. Um, you just think Horus Heresy, you think Neil Roberts and the, those illustrations. And so I was talking with Dan about this on Sunday at the, the, the little round table panel, not a panel, just like a, a coffee kind of meet and greet. Um, and Dan said, you know what would be really cool? would be like a coffee table book of just Neil Roberts art mm-hmm. with like yeah. authors sort of commentary. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a, uh, like a, what's, Visions of Heresy in yeah. a way? Yeah, yeah. But just 
meant yeah. for art. vision yeah. of heresy. Yeah. Singular. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. No, I Because I, you're gonna break your coffee table when you set visions of heresy on there anyway. Yeah. So. And I'd I'd be really interested in that, especially if the author like if there was a little talking about, you know, where where does the picture come into it? Like at what sure. point like does he read the book? Does he get like here's a couple of cool scenes, figure it out. Yeah. So they talked about that a little bit. Like how does how does that that happen? And and um so a lot of times uh yeah, so obviously Neil can't read all of the books. Um be a lot of books to read. I can't read all the books. I can get on my level. <laughs> he's painting, he can listen. Yeah, you know, he's, <laughs> doing, he's doing his stuff, Jesus. you know. Have Jonathan just sit in with Jonathan Keeble while he's like reading yeah. it. That's right. <laughs> while in the booth next door, he's <laughs> making the art. But you think about, you know, how far back does the heresy go? I think Dan wrote um, Horace Rising 15 years ago. I want to say 2004. It, yeah. I feel like we've had this question before too, but I thought oh it was my. 2008. But um, but it's it's certainly been a while. Um, and so, you know, Neil's talked about how over time, you know, at the very beginning, um, he would submit maybe three three some April twenty fifth, two thousand six. Okay, right in the middle. Perfect. <laughs> Almost twelve years. Um, Damn. So sixteen years old. Yeah, I was in high school. I was graduating yeah. high school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember being so stoked, man. Right. <laughs> so stoked. You remember. Yeah. I was there. The day Horus there, slew the Emperor. Perfect. <laughs> I was there and I bought a book. Um, but yeah, no, it was really cool. It was a good panel. Um, I think all of the authors up there, so all of the authors up there have finished a book, right? So John wrote the first one, Solar War. Guy wrote the second one, um, Lost in the Damned, sorry. And um, Gav just finished the first wall. And so there was this kind of common, uh, I think, feeling of exhaustion. They had all the authors said this was the hardest thing they'd ever done. Well, you can't fuck it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah. look at Game of Thrones. Like, God help. Spoiler alert: Game of Thrones. Oh boy. <laughs> the last season was bad. Right? The ending wasn't great. You don't want to do that. Nope. Like, it yeah. felt rushed. It wasn't good. And it, like, I, I literally actually just talked to. There's a coworker of mine. That said, she wasn't gonna read, wasn't gonna watch Game of Thrones because she missed, you know, the first couple of seasons. She uh -huh. wasn't gonna watch it until it was all over, and she's gonna take like, she's taking a month off this summer and she's gonna <laughs> binge it. That's what she's gonna do, <laughs> like all of all eight seasons. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. So we uh, we told her that if you're gonna do it, don't like just ignore the eighth season. Wow. Because it's better to end on that seventh season like semi not really cliffhanger than to finish out and Get that. like it didn't ruin game of thrones for me like i'm not huh. one of those people but i really don't have that urge to watch it again and it's because the ending was bad so awesome. that just shows you can have a beautiful thing beautiful creativity and if you don't nail that ending yeah not great seinfeld not <laughs> but not compare game of thrones how old is that of uh, the books or the show? Um, probably the show because I doubt most of the people. The show is roughly analogous to. It's probably like six, seven years old. No, older than that, because there's eight seasons and they skipped a couple. They skipped ah, okay. like it wasn't gotcha, one every gotcha, gotcha. year. What? Because in the later seasons, it was like, all right, well, it's gonna be two years until this is out, or like a year and a half. They almost um, the Venture Brothers. <laughs> 
five years, hey, let's make a third season. So season one apparently ended, because that's what I'm getting, um, mid-2011. So it came out... So it came out in 2011. Well, okay. So not, not near as old as the heresy. Yeah. yeah so but it was still, you know... Just imagine I was giving a bad end to the heresy with all the other many, many books. You can do And that. especially knowing what happened. Like, yeah. And that's going to make it so extra hard. It's like, yeah, the Game of Thrones writers, like maybe they talked to George R. R. Martin and knew how he wanted to end it and then tried and aimed and failed. Very hard. But we didn't know what that ending was going to be. Like, yeah. we know what this ending's going to be. You, know you the, still have to yeah. impress us and surprise us. Fandoms, especially at this day and age, are downright fucking vicious. Yep. Oh, yeah. Fandoms are the fucking worst. They are. <laughs> like, yeah. like, God this. bless the Black Library guys for allowing yeah. two, 300 people to even, like, in their presence. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the odds of getting egged were not zero. <laughs> Hey, hey, you keep in mind those were the nice British people. The worst you could be was probably a They British. had horrific Americans there. <laughs> no, there yeah. was only, actually only um, me only and two other people. See, three Americans. Yeah. yeah. Look, three Americans has Where caused is more than enough problems a lot of other <laughs> did places. They do, did they do the thing at one of the events? Like, All right, who many, how many are here from America? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. No? Um, no. no? No, okay. No. <laughs> no. no, actually, no, so they, no, they didn't. The farthest. No, that's cool. <laughs> um, I, no, so one of the other themes, um, in, in addition to this being probably the hardest, um, you know, long-form fiction that any of the authors have written, um, was just the amount of time, I think, that Black Library spent on the collaboration. It was sort of unprecedented. Um, you know, and we've talked about this before, I think. There's a, a general understanding of how this process works, but maybe for our listeners who don't really understand, um, to sort of wrap up uh, almost 16 years of um, working on the Horse Heresy, which they never intended to be, 54 books. So they didn't they didn't go into this process saying, "Hey, let's write 54 books." Yeah. Um it was supposed to originally be I think maybe 3, maybe a trilogy of trilogies. Um, yeah, I want to say it was supposed to be like 12. Like they were going to have a yeah, dozen. Maybe. Oops. If, like yeah, like if <laughs> it goes real the... well, we'll have a dozen. And if it goes okay, we'll have nine. Yeah. Kind of one for each loyal legion sort of feel. As we say, as we all look at a third book of a supposedly eight book series that's already been released to have another novella <laughs> going along with it. Oh, forget that this. So keep, keep those drugs are coming. Keep those drugs yeah. are coming. Oh, we'll, oh, yeah, and we'll get into this yeah. in, a, in a little bit. But um, I'll say, talking about uh, yeah. Sons of the Selenar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. the Graham McNeil one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, that's, that's going to be interesting as well, the first sort of novella within the, um, the Solar War series. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I think, so I think for our listeners who may, may or may not know, um, just how much time the authors spent on getting this right. Um, and so this is going to lead me into a, a question that I asked, uh, but a question that sort of uh, was beginning to be answered before I even talked about it. And that is the Imperial Palace. And so the scope and scale of the Imperial Palace um, was not something that was really blown out before <coughs> the, um, the Siege of Terra novels started. I mean, we had some idea of it. I think there was a map that showed up in the last Custodes book, um, Codex, I think, Army book. Yeah, but it didn't have any scale to it. It, it was didn't. Just sort yeah. of the map. Um, and anything before that... Because really, it's it's only been in the past 
couple of years that they've even talked about Terra as a location for the most part. Right. Um, God, back to that freaking Ragnar Blackman series. I think that's yeah. the only time before this that they've delineated any sort of area. And all that did was, yeah, the Navigator Quarter goes from what I assume is maybe Florida to what I think is New York. Like, of that's, course that's Florida it. has the Navigators. And the friggin' like it was like the East Coast of the United States it was like the Navigator Quarter, <laughs> and the Emperor's Palace is in the Himalayas. So it's a little bit bigger. I mean, so it's actually a little bit smaller than that. So what they what what they sort of said is that it's basically the size of maybe Belgium, you know, maybe the UK. Um, right now, for the Americans in the room, what is that? I don't know. Delaware. I don't. Okay. Everyone, go no look idea. at a map Hold right now. I'll, I'll figure it out. Keep keep talking. I'll figure um, it out. Texas. Uh, it's, it's definitely smaller than Texas. Germany's smaller than Texas. So I will say that um, some of the, the visualizations that you can think about is like you could be standing on the um, the Damocles starport or the Lion's Gate and looking, you know, towards the horizon, and you would not be able to see the end of the Imperial Palace. Right? It's just, it's just massive. Gotcha. Um, so if if I may butt in, yeah, because I've discovered the answer. And it's not super helpful because the entire country of Belgium, which you remember is vaguely like roundish or like kind of a weird wedge, um, is it's stackable. about the size of Maryland, which okay. for those European listeners Wait. is a fucking weird, long line-ass shape. So it doesn't really fix it in my mind. No, actually, Maryland it fits is perfectly. Maryland is not awesome. stackable. No. Isn't it? It's Because isn't the Emperor's Palace supposed to be built on the Himalayas? Yeah, no, it makes good sense yeah. that, like, for, like, Belgium, like, round, you know, Himalaya, oh, okay, Imperial yeah. Palace around. Yeah. But, like, as a size comparison, it uh, leaves me a little wanting. I give you a tip. <laughs> it's bigger than Rhode Island. They're bigger than Rhode Island. There you go. Bigger, wait, than, is it, bigger than Rhode Island. Wait, is Imperial Palace big as big as Belgium or the United Kingdom? Well, the United Kingdom was one of the analogies I got, and then another Belgium's one was like Belgium, a quarter of the size of the United Kingdom. Yeah, I don't know. But it's it might loose. be they might be talking about like the inner palace, or <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, okay, like the actual palace itself. Yeah, and then or maybe like the or, cathartic plains or whatever. Yeah, or maybe it's yeah. something akin to like Los Angeles, which just sort of doesn't. Like, technically, there's suburbia <laughs> around Los Angeles, but Los Angeles I lived there for three ends. years, and I can be damned if I could tell you, like, between desert, no gas station for 100 miles, and, like, downtown L.A., yeah. I couldn't tell you where the actual city started. All right. Well. Moving on. We're moving, moving on to important yeah, yeah, yeah. things. <laughs> so, because so much of the Siege of Terra, um, the Solar War, right? Siege of Terra. Solar War was the first book. By John French, but so much of the siege of Terra then takes place within uh, the Imperial Palace. They had to map that. They had to map this out. And so, Austin, what do you think they did? Drew a fucking map. Got a cartographer. <laughs> did Dan Abnett study cartography from like the 1400s and draw a map mm, on his kitchen wall? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about all the studying cartography, but yeah. So literally, so Dan and this was this was verified in the session um john french actually said um and maybe guy haley actually said uh dan was the one who mapped this out for us so they got a map um so from somewhere uh of and belgium then, 
No, of the <laughs> Imperial Palace. I think uh-huh. it was from the Custodes uh, book. Okay. And then Dan just started taking sticky notes and saying, okay, so we know this happened here, right? So the city of Sight, sticky note. Um, this happened here, right? Demon buried in the wall, sticky note. <laughs> This happened here, right? Sticky note. And this, and this is just Dan. This is what he does, right? Mm-hmm. And so just sticky notes and, and, and thumbtacks and string. After a dozen cups of coffee at 10 p.m. at night. Yeah. Haven't slept in three days. Like, Probably. It's sense. <laughs> His friends are like, Dan, you got to stop. <laughs> got to have answers. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, they, they fucking mapped this thing out. And they said, you know, there's still some areas, that, you know, where... We haven't shined a light yet. Like but, I said earlier, uh, gotta leave gaps. Gotta leave right. some, yeah. You gotta, gotta leave, leave some gaps. dark spaces. So, but that's uh, beautiful because I'm yeah. sure that, like, you know, barring some really pretty map of the Imperial Palace that they might put out in a book somewhere, like we're never gonna hear about that. Well, I asked, I asked specifically, could we get a guidebook? Yeah. And uh, John French said that'd be really cool, but it wouldn't be like. <laughs> Be like the Pilgrims. It'd be like he'd be like it, it, it would be, be like an A to Z. It would be like a yeah. reference guide. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it wouldn't be the full. Would definitely not be the definitive guide. Yeah, 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 exactly. You no, know, but but that sort of thing kind of reminds me of like Lord of the Rings when they like for those of you that have watched the twelve hours of extended features in each one of them, <laughs> like I have, um, <laughs> the the actor who plays Theoden at one point talks about how the inside of one of his jackets had horses on it. Like they'd so uh-huh. hand sewn a bunch of horses in it. He's like, nobody's ever going to fucking see that. Right. Why would you like, why would anybody waste time and money to do this? But he said it really helped him get into character because he was that guy. Yeah. And this seems a lot like that. Like it's just to help the authors get into the headspace and know where everything is. So any sort of like, you're not going to have a guy being like, well, on page 487 of book four, you said that Arterial Highway 4X3J9 was east, and that guy said it was north, so these books suck. Well, you've also read... <laughs> Absolute garbage. All of Dan's books, and what do Dan's books yes. have? Every goddamn thing. Well, they have maps, maps right? So many good maps. Yeah, they have fucking maps. Dude. from random, like, <laughs> fake books. Yeah, you know. Um, footnotes. Vervin Hive. Yeah. You know, oh, the, the, amount fucking, of, uh, the amount of times I poured over the map of Vervenhive as a kid, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all right, you're talking about maps now. All right, yeah, we got to see it. We are we? See are it. we going? Are we? We're gonna, doing We're going to skip we, ahead. All right. Are we skipping we're, ahead? We're skipping ahead a little bit. Well, we just spent five minutes talking about maps. All right. So this seems appropriate. This is, this, the this is an interlude. The definitive unrolling. All right. Oh, holy fuck! I know. So what we've just done for our listeners is. Um, it's illuminated. We have unrolled the, um, I don't know if it's limited. Uh, it's not numbered, but it is uh, the cart- I, I can't even be bothered cartor- to look at whatever that beautiful thing is. Cartorum Sabaticus, the great chart of the Sabat world's entire, drawn in 703 M41 by Hofstel of Balhot. With reference to Rolfor's Cartorum Stellaris, the Mappa in Hava, and the Cosmic Portolans of Urdesh. So this is the in-world map of the Sabat World's Crusade. Uh, it is done as an artifact using... Looks like about two and a half foot long. If, if our listeners are yes. familiar with... The style of the of the artwork and the maps that are in 
the collector's edition of the um, Horace Heresy uh, Siege of Terra books. It's the same style of artwork. Um, so I'll talk about this a little bit. So Rachel Harrison, uh, managing director, art director at uh, Black Library, spent an enormous amount of time on each one of these planets, Austin. Uh, she personally fact-checked, I think, each one of these planets four or five times. <laughs> and how many planets do you think are on that map? Just so our listeners have a scale. Um, hold on. Somewhere around 200? Yeah. <laughs> how did she, she fact-check the planets? Like checking the books of their thing? Or? Yeah, because yeah. A, a lot of the books... Oh, oh my um, God, it's cloth on the inside. Dan, yeah, that's what I was impressed with. It's, it's, like it's fucking cloth yeah, bring on the inside. Yeah, pass it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I... If I I'm pick totally it up again, I'm that. taking it with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. A lot of Dan's books for the Sabbath World start off with kind of like an opening page or a couple paragraphs from like the official history of the yeah. Sabbath World's Crusade, um, and they'll so they'll talk about like oh, and they were going at you know, fighting at this world and this world and this world and this world and this world, and then this weird thing happened with the ghosts on this particular thing, and even. Um, sort of off uh, main plotline stuff with uh, like the Fantine and um, Legio Invicta. Those planets are here as well. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I need. Yeah. I didn't think I needed, but I need. Yeah. No, you might. <laughs> you might. We'll we'll get there. Yeah. It's it's just so cool. Like Kara and I were just watching a video the other day about like really cheap collector's editions of video games and stuff. And, like, this stuff is so amazingly well-crafted and well-done. You can tell people put their love and time in it and really yeah. want to make it count, and it's amazing. Yeah. And you got a cloth map wrapped up in, in a leather-bound, leather very... Yeah, with like a, you could, with you a could metal see, imperial emblem. You could see some, like, you know... Imperial Admiral being like, all right, well, we've just got our orders. We're we're making for, you know, the yeah. Rimward Marginals. Like, bring out the map. Let's, like, see what the grand strategy of this is going to be. And just, damn. Yeah. So so Dan talked about this a little bit, um, that this, this was, um, this is a test of um, what's possible. So... Um, it is a bit of a risk that Black Library is taking uh, by producing something that is relatively uh, expensive. Um, it's certainly a collector's edition. Sure. Um, but that if this is successful, which I will say by any indication of the Black Library Weekender, this sold out. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Very many things did not sell out. This sold out within the first two hours. Yeah. Um, there are more coming on a ship, but I don't know how many more. So um, that this this basically says, look, there's a market out there for this kind of thing. Um, Black Library cl clearly has um, the vision to do more of these types of things. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really a new golden age. Um, Dan sort of talked about how maybe 10, 15 years ago, people were uh, afraid to sort of take risks like this um, because that if it didn't work out, you know, if it didn't work out, um, there would have been probably 
Yeah, the company's in a bad spot. Yeah, orders of magnitude consequence, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but now that you know they're just in a different place. And I love so. Yeah, I didn't see the back until I. Oh, I'm yeah. looking, so I'm looking at the, Dave has rolled it up and is keeping a very close eye on me. <laughs> um, but I'm looking at the seal, right? So there's, you know, I, I guess this is the Crusade seal. Uh, the Sabbat World Crusade. Yeah, the Sabbat yeah. the Sabbat World Crusade seal, which is awesome. Sabbat World, yeah. Should we just get into that, Jesse? Are we going to get into that now, or are we um, going to stay on script? Or let's, what do you, you want to do? Let's keep on going through the schedule. Try to get and, uh, see where it goes from there. Okay. Finish out the day at least before we go. Uh, we'll, crazy. We'll, oh yeah, we'll finish out the day. This is going to be an extra beefy episode. It will I'm be. I'm happy oh, with yeah. it because there's I mean, so can, much stuff. We could pause and go just like day and the next day as a separate no, episode. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> hour all the way through. Hell yes, the great big black library. So the very last session of the day is Valder, Birth of the Imperium, with Chris Rate. Uh-huh. Uh, Gods and Mortals. This does get into Age of Sigmar here with Guy Haley. It's kind of impressive. Like, well, yeah. I guess not impressive is the wrong word, but as like a 40K guy, the whole friggin' first day was pretty much 40K. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of 40K. And and Horus Heresy. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. Yeah. there's not a lot of yeah. Age of Sigmar to talk about yet. Probably. Uh, the, might be, of, might yeah. be a thing of it, yeah. I don't yeah. think it's released as often as 40K, but there's quite a few Sigmar books to have come out. Yeah, there are quite a few, so. but, but quite a few to come out, like even... One every two months is still like thirty, which is half as many horse hairs. You know, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. But continue. continue. Okay, so uh, and then in the uh, strategium, no one will hear you scream. <laughs> so how to write horror? I would presume, um, and then Dan and Gab are doing signings. What would you have gone to? Is Dan back tomorrow? Dan is back tomorrow. Um, so <laughs> Valdor, you didn't, get your, you didn't get your signature from. Yeah, I haven't gotten my signature yeah. from yet. Yeah. From Dan yet? Autograph, excuse me. Um, it's the same thing. To oh, extent. just it, if it I is. had a bra for him to sign, <laughs> you would just get one on your chest or something, made a tattoo out of it. He's no? done that just apparently. Ah. Sign bras or make tattoos? I think all of the above. God yeah. bless. Yeah. Yeah. God bless. Who has a tramp stamp with Dan Abnett's signature? I, I don't know, know, but. Listener, don't if tempt it's you, Austin. You can come you on can, our podcast and you can anytime. prove it. Yes, in a way that doesn't turn the photo into porn. <laughs> I will. Cl- I will definitely give you free beer for that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, Carol, Carol will be the judge. Yeah. Drinks, drinks. Come and come and talk to us about how that happened. Oh yeah, please. All right, let's read these. Uh, We're gonna get some really creepy call-ins. Uh, can't be worse than what you get on Facebook. We should play them. If we do get them, we should play them. Yeah, <laughs> true. <sighs> yeah. It's just like heavy breathing. But, okay, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I assume given the book that you went to Valdor. I did. I did. Because okay. yeah. I, I think the, I feel like the last one is How to Write Warhammer Horror would be my guess. Yes. Uh, let's see. Valdor, Birth of the Imperium. Chris Rate discussing a new novel about the Yeah. Um. Because I'm normally like I said, like I said at the other one that we talked about. I okay, don't, I see. I don't want to go to now. one. I see how it's where I haven't now. read the book, but also, it's all about Thunder Warriors. So talk mm. to me, Goose. All right, man. Yeah, all right, so yeah. So yeah, this is Chris Raid um, talking about Valdor and uh-huh. the birth of the Imperium. So we pick up the story somewhere between um, the Age of Strife. Right, so the founding of the Thunder Warriors has happened, but the Emperor has started to craft the Custodes, and so Valdor is here. And so this is very much the birth of the Imperium seen by Valdor's eyes. It is, to some degree, the death of the Thunder Warriors. It is, to some degree, the birth of this idea 
of what will become the Great Crusade and the unification of mankind. So the loftiest ideals of, of the emperor. I'll just read the back of um, this book, Valdor, which is beautiful, by the way. The limited edition uh, book of Valdor is done in very much the same way the limited edition um, Custodes uh, Codex is done, sort of the same um, binding and, and everything. So it says, I teach the end of belief. I am its terminus, its replacement. After me, there will only be perception, a sight of the single truth glimpsed from distance. So Chris Rate, uh, I think he's Dr. Rate, actually. I'm, I'm fairly certain he's a professor at one of the... the a professor of what? London universities, probably English. I'll have to go back and, and look. But um, Literature. <laughs> I mean, I'll allow it. Yeah. I'm sure we can find out. <laughs> yeah, we, we should find out. We should find Chris out. Chris Rate, right? Yeah. yeah. Dr. Chris Rate. Dr. Google Rate. Dr. Yeah. Rate. Um, but, uh, but you know, so this is, this, you know, this is very much a book of the birth of the Imperium um, through the eyes of Valdor. And what Chris was talking about during the session is that, you know, the custodies are really sort of limited um, in terms of, of, of their capacity. They can never rebel against the emperor, right? So the, the, the Astartes can. Uh, the Primarchs can. They've, they've sort of been given, you know, free will, if you will. But the Custodes can never do that. And so they're limited in the sort of the range of emotions that they have. It does not say on his uh, website. So. Oh. oh, okay. Uh. Well, well, we'll figure it out. Come yeah. Back. We'll, we'll figure it out. Hey, Chris, if you oh, listen, he wrote in Stargate Atlantis, too. That's kind of cool. Yeah, he's got some other novels Neat. to his name. New rule in Virginia Beach. Virginia leaves drivers fuming. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's just an ad. Sorry, continue. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, so, so the, um, yeah, so the premise here is it's, it's a look at the Adeptus Custodes, Custodes, I guess, if you will, um, as well as Valdor, who is by any measure a Primarch, right? And he was there before the Primarchs. He was there before the emperor's experiment and the creation of his sort of his sons. There's sort of no doubt that um, the primarchs are the sons of the emperor, right? It's this sort of how they're referred to. Mm -hmm. they've, they've got some of his genes. But Valdor is just, yeah, literally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, but Valdor is sort of the forgotten son, maybe, if you will, the prodigal son. Um, always loyal, always there, there from the beginning. He was there when the emperor created the great experiment of uh, the crusade and the unification of mankind. He was there when he saw it fail because of, of I guess, the weakness of, of some of the primarchs. And so I think it's a fascinating look at really what the um, custodes are and... Um, what, you know, sort, sort of what they're about, and I have not read it, but uh, I, I'm really, really interested to get into this and unpack it. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked Chris a very specific question uh, about Valdor, and I said maybe the emperor gave Valdor the Apollonian spear because 
he knew that Valdor was sort of limited, you know, in what he could what he could feel, what he could understand, mm-hmm. because you know the custodes are uh, they're unique in 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 the Imperium, um, genetically manipulated through the Emperor's vast psychic power to be um, incorruptible, always loyal, the supreme warrior. Um, I feel like that. Yeah, that was actually somewhat uh, alluded to in the two metaphysical spheres. That's exactly what I said, and uh, and so and so Chris is you know his eyes lit up and you know he likes these kinds of uh, these questions. Uh-huh. Uh, all the, the all the Black Library authors really respond to sort of the deep insight, and they really I think they really appreciate that kind of um, level of of, of intellect uh, within these sessions, and so. Yeah, you should go, Jesse. You guys, you all, all of you guys should go um, to the next one. And it'll just be the retreat. Awesome. Just makes a huge raid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll just take it by force, man. Well, hey, while, while we're here, um, we'll see like how to the thank our patrons. Goes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. For in the middle of this, thank you guys so yeah. much uh, for paying for think, our trip to the. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think we paid for the trip, but uh, if you guys would like to pay for us to all go to the Black Library weekend trip. Uh, be sure to check out patreon.com forward slash R30K podcast. And I'm going to thank everybody while we're in the middle of this. Uh, Sergeant tier, Duncan and Emily O'Hare, thank you so much. Our Centurion tier with M. Hernandez, John Christensen, Mark Henry, Angry Boy Hates You. Oh, uh, Derek, uh, Derek Knoll, thank you all so much. And our uh, Praetor tier, Chris Mack, Alex Self. Garner.Tree of Woe, Matthew Boyce, Joe from Music City Heresy, and Josh Phillips. Thank you all so much for uh, becoming a patron and uh, supporting our podcast. Obviously, you guys rock. You listen to this podcast, so awesome. Yeah, I think I know almost all of those people, and you guys are awesome, and thank you. And if we do do this again next year and you guys want to come. Drinks are on Dave. Yeah, just come out. We'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll send a little shout-out through yeah, Patreon. If you meet any yeah. of us, we'll, we'll buy we'll a drink. A yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, I can't prove it because I've only been five minutes. And uh, so with a moderate degree of confidence, uh, I can say that uh, Chris Waite has a PhD in philosophy. Ooh, oh. perfect. If his middle <laughs> initial is D. Um, but he does have associations with Birmingham, and it says here that Christopher D. Ray has a PhD in philosophy from the University of Birmingham, United Kingdom. Which, uh, speaking of two spears and stuff like that, there is some—I could believe it. Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. Um, the metaphysical nature of those two spears was uh, was an interesting kind of rabbit hole to fall down. Yeah, I'm gonna have to read some of his books now and see yeah. just how Deep. philosophical they, they get. Yeah. Like, am I right? Am I, am I right? Yeah. Chris? Maybe. You, you shall never know. I mean, if I spend another 10 minutes, but who's got time? All right. Well, that wraps up Saturday, guys. So we are done with Saturday. Um, this is the part where I go back to my room and become a complete um, lightweight, I yeah, think. Try to remember like what your time zone is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that oh. too. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah. Um, everyone else goes down to the bar in the lounge and drinks until who knows when. There's... D- a lot of good times um, next year. I will do that. I'll plan a little <laughs> more time. But uh, but yeah, do you guys want to get into Sunday? We've talked already about sort of the morning of Let's Sunday. Do it. it looks like there's yeah. two events left. There. There's only yeah. two events, and right, it's yeah. Yeah. knock it out. All right. <coughs> so Sunday, we've already talked about nine thirty to ten thirty. I'm sat at a table with Dan, and uh, we talk about a lot of stuff. Was it like over breakfast? 
Um, ham and eggs. Brush. Coffee. Coffee, coffee. Is, is free. So you nice. walk in. It's um, it's a sort of coffee and tea. Meet the authors. Meet and greet the authors. Okay, um, cool. Dan is. So you didn't corner him. I did yeah. not. No. This is no. This is Dan. Dan is holding court. Apparently, gotcha. this is ah. what Dan does. So nice. you you find the table with Dan. You try to find a free chair, and uh, Dan holds court. And That's so cool. he just sort of talks about what he's up to. Um, I can't talk about everything, but okay. I will talk about some things. <laughs> so let me, let me pause you yes. before we get into what you can and can't talk about. Um, just so the listeners know, let's get, get the feeling. Were there times where he would say, guys, don't tell anybody about this? Or was there like a segment of your chat that he's like, for the next half hour, I'm going to discuss things that you can't tell anyone no. on pain if I find you and beat you to death. No, no, he never, he never, he never said that. Um, you know, no, he didn't say that. He's Dan is the kind of guy who just he gets really, really excited and he starts talking, and I think he's just really excited. And then at the end, he's like, "I probably revealed a lot of state secrets." <laughs> just Hagrid should have said that. Yeah, maybe, maybe these six people are not as trustworthy as I thought they be were. Be real cool if you didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Maybe next year he has this designated GW yeah. guy with has him, a, just like he's Dan, been doing no. this for so and long so that I can't I, believe he would listen to a handler, even if he had one really oh, hope no. that that's not the way it goes caro because i was there but that's and that listeners is why yeah. he's keeping his secrets yeah and that's why i'm keeping keeping this a little bit uh confidential because i was there oh, yeah. in 2006 when literally all the black library authors had to walk around with minders and there was like a oh, little wow. black library editor who followed them around who was like a like commissar almost you know cattle prod in hand. yeah you know like hey, don't say that don't tell them about that you know it's just like oh man whatever but uh but i will say this um they've gotten a lot better they've gotten a lot better maybe there's just we're shock colors now and also dan is dan right sure so i mean yeah. what you gonna do fire him <laughs> yeah exactly you know right so there's a little bit of latitude there right um mm-hmm. but uh penitent is the sequel to Pariah. Um, Dan is currently writing it. Literally, currently, right this second, writing it. Um, more than halfway through, so it's uh, it's going to be amazing. It's in the first person. Um, if you guys don't know what the plot arc of um, Pariah and Into Penitent is, it is um, Beta. Austin, you want to tell our listeners about Beta? I mean, I'll leave all that. You mean Becca? Beckwin. Beckwin Maya. Yeah, Beckwin. So, so I won't. I won't. We won't spoil it. You guys. You guys will get there. Um, it's awesome. Start, it's awesome. Like, start with Inquisitor. Like, buy. Yeah. They've got anthologies yeah. now. Buy yeah. Eisenhorn. Buy Ravener. Yeah. Prepare to be excited. So, so Dan's return to the first person for this. It's very exciting. Um, and here's what <laughs> I will say. Uh, if this doesn't a little bit shock you, it should. Uh, Dan said the ending to Penitent is the biggest shock to the Warhammer 40,000 universe that he can think of. He had to go all the way to the top, to the Lords of Terra, to the IP holders to get permission to do this. (laughs) That he can think of as in that he could think of as happening now or as he could think of. Okay, we've had oh. some. Cra- I'm, I'm trying to gauge the level of crazy here. So Dan's quote is: "If at the end of Penitent you don't just sit up and go, 
the fuck <laughs> you don't get it <laughs> yeah so massive wow. massive yeah um, i gotta say i've and we're going to talk spoilers here for those of you who hadn't read legion or praetorian of dorn yeah skip ahead um oh sorry caro eh, you're um, fine that's our sp- too late, but spoiler, spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Good. <laughs> I haven't said anything yet. Yes, you did it um, the first time. I know. But I, know. I remember <laughs> like the first time when it was like Alpharius's two Primarchs. Right. And like yeah. Oh, yeah. my yeah. head exploded. Like I remember when the first three books came out and they talked about how each uh, Primarch is part of the, you know, um, fuck, star horoscope stuff. Like they each have their own sign. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember like taking a pen and trying to math out like, okay, this, if, if Horus is the Sagittarius, then who's the bull and getting to Gemini and being like, which of these two Primarchs are identical? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Well, which of them is kind of two? I don't understand. And then that happened. And I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wait, I need to know. I need to know about this map. Do you have it still somewhere of around? Of, of like my notes? Yeah, who probably somewhere? I mean, that's maybe because I I remember um, I got a good amount of them to where like I personally was comfortable with I think about twelve or fourteen of the Primarchs. Okay, like given what you know about the Primarchs before they get corrupted by chaos. Oh my god, they're eighteen zodiac signs. Oh. So I haven't looked at a Zodiac what? calendar in decades. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, convenient. like, what would Angron be like without the nails? Because that's that's who yeah. a Zodiac sign is. Mm. And, like, you know, yeah. all this sort of stuff. And I just remember it out of my mind blown. So if it's on that level or bigger than that level, I don't. I think it is bigger. With, uh, yeah. and the if lion you, is probably Leo, who enjoys casual dinners, something outdoors, <laughs> and uh, other activities such as that. Being a dirty traitor. Yeah, that's oh, per- oh, perfectly. Oh. <laughs> Being a whiny bitch, yes. Oh, <laughs> anyway. a beautiful set of facial hair, God. i got to say. Uh, oh, yeah. That's God good. damn, that cover looks good. It does. That's a good-looking Primark. That's <laughs> all I can say. That's Disturbingly first, like Jesse. That's the first weird. Primark, which actually <laughs> looks like the pretty kind... They always describe Primarchs as looking so amazingly what good and being this, this bad. Yeah, they're all attractive. Peak, peak right? male performance yeah. looks like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you may not like it, but this is what it is. No, but he looks not absolutely horrific like so many of the other ones. You should have seen Russ's first model. Maybe that's more your style. I don't know. Let's Google that. <laughs> anyway, while well, she's Googling that. <laughs> so I won't say too much more about the sort of Sunday morning sit down uh, with Dan other than I think it was really cool that that Black Library does that sort of unfettered access to, yeah, to the authors. Yeah, like yeah. trust your boys so not nice. to give the game away yeah. and also yeah. like trust Dave not to give the game away. Yeah, it's yeah. big boy rules yeah. and I, yeah, I think right. I yeah, think that's yeah. everyone's being treated like a gentleman's brunch. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah. And it's also expensive enough that you're not going to have the 16-year-olds <laughs> in there anyway. So It's true. Uh, yeah. That's true. There were not a lot of 16-year-olds. I don't think there were any actually. Um, so So what's next? What's next? All right. So then we move on to the next session, 1115 to 1215. We've got darkness in the blood with Guy Haley and Darius Hanks. We've got novellas of the dark Imperium, uh, with a whole bunch of folks. This is, these are the novellas that have come out as part of the weekender. And then we've got writing the realms, obviously age of Sigmar stuff. 
uh, with C.L. Werner and David Annandale again, and uh, then some author <laughs> signings. Author. Kara was losing that, the uh, old rogue trader portrait of Lehman Russ. Oh, no, no, I think, uh, not yeah. the portrait, the actual model. He's got an actual model from Rogue Trader. Does he really? Yeah, oh, yeah, here we go, here we go. He's the only loyal Primark, oh, no I way. think, to have a model. Like, I, I don't think Gellerman had one. Kara mm. was done. Kara's done. <laughs> done. Take her drink away. Oh my god! He looks like somebody's dumped in his face with chewing gum or something. I don't know. He looks yeah. pretty horrifying. He's good. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the art style back then. Oh yeah, it's like oh, no, it's, dark, it's, just yeah. uh, just like sort of pen and ink, right? Yeah, like yeah, coffee I mean, it's house. A, yeah. It's a just, great yeah. picture, but yeah. it's not what everybody describes all the Primark says. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was him when he was still like a regular human, probably in the mm. fluff. Yeah. Oh, you're right. What? Yeah, yeah. Before oh, right. Primarchs Primarchs used to not be like he was Primarchs. a Marine commander. Yeah, just like Marine commander Lehman Russ. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like company sense. captain of a band of convicts. It's it's great times. Man, but, you but on, honestly, and you're this is this there. is weird having just shat on uh, Age of Sigmar a little earlier in the podcast. But I think I might have sat in on writing the realms because, hmm. like Blood Angels, I'm not for nor against. Although I am team. Whichever one isn't the vampire. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I might have decided to be like, after having my fucking mind blown by Dan Abnett, I don't want to think anymore. I need a break. I, don't, I can't deal with it. <laughs> Fuck! Um, yeah. And that might have been, you know, because some, yeah. some of the Age of Sigmar fluff, like I, I pendulum back and forth between like sometimes they'll tell me something. I'd be like, wow, that's an awesome concept. I'm really interested to hear more about that. And then the next word's out of their mouth. I'm like, ah, oh, this is kid trash. It's, it's, it's um, war cry. <laughs> it's war cry versus everything else for me. Essentially. For me. Yeah. 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 Um, although those fucking card on overlords, man, yeah. I, I wish. I yeah. wish. Anyway. So yeah, I might've said in on that and be like, well, if you're going to talk to me about writing the realms, you're going to tell me about the realms. You're going to talk more, the under the underlying thing that is Age yeah. of Sigmar that you then tie your story to, and I'd be interested to hear about that. Make it more real. Yeah, give it give it a chance. Give it yeah. a go. Yeah, that's cool. How about you guys? I need to see it. <sighs> Was it the first one here? Uh, the second one, right? Oh no, uh, no the first one because after that was the meet and greet. Yeah, yeah, like eleven fifteen. Or I think. darkness and blood. Yeah. Or darkness into blood, I'm sorry. So I do have one more question about the meet and greet, though. Okay. Oh, yeah. Did you hold your shit together when you met him? Yeah, I guess yeah. I've, met, I've, I've met Dan before. <laughs> um, I met him in 2006 at Games Day in Baltimore. And so this meeting him again was pretty cool. Um, and he's just a really approachable guy. Dan was smoking cigarettes, I think, in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Not like inside, but yeah, 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 you know, yeah. but like, yeah, 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 like he was, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a very approachable guy. Yeah. He's a really cool That's guy. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Having written like Guardians of the Galaxy and been on set with Chris Pratt, like leading him around, <laughs> um, he is in a remarkably humble guy. And the fact that he's returned to Black Library and Games Workshop, I think is huge. Uh, yeah. Nothing, Wait. nothing Wait. made me happier at the end of Infinity War than the knowledge that Dan Abnett would now have to come back to games. Yeah, right. agreed. I mean, not have to, but but yeah. did, but yeah. did like yeah. had that had that shot. He yeah. wrote at Guardians of the Galaxy. He did. He yeah. actually. Oh, I um, totally it. Now it's time for Interceptor City, baby. He wrote the screenplay or a lot of the 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 characters comic books and stuff. Yeah, yeah the like comics. The, yeah, yeah. I think the with the raccoon. Rocket raccoon. Yeah. Rocket, Rocket raccoon is his. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. I thought all of those would be Stan Lee's. No, um, no, there's yeah. there's quite a few more people, but 
Yeah, I don't Stan have was extremely kids. prominent. Oh, I feel oh, sorry, like um, looking through here. So I I don't read a lot of recent 40k stuff, but I yeah. know in the Horus Heresy, novellas hold a surprising amount of knowledge and crunch. Yeah, yeah, important crunch. stuff yeah. that goes on. Some real jaw droppers. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see what the novellas of the Dark Imperium, because I don't know if it's the same with a 40k short stories or whatnot. Well, that's. That's interesting, Jesse, because that's where I ended up. Oh, okay. Um, I ended up in um, that session, oh. and um, really, I walked in a little bit late because I was getting my <laughs> book signed by Dan. Because if you see yeah, right you here, go. yeah, no, and that's where I would have yeah. been. So yeah. right before that, I was with Dan, trying to get as much signed as I could without <laughs> being ob- obnoxious, yeah. right? <laughs> and I, I well, this is uh, <laughs> poor Gav, right? Because Gav's awesome. Sure. I had with Gav 20 years ago in Bugman's and Gav's Gav's been a legend in Games Workshop for so long. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this particular time slot, there was like 30 people lined up for Dan and there were like two people and, and it was just who had probably got Dan's autograph earlier. Yeah, probably. And, probably. and so yeah. and so yeah. And so I, I I should have brought more stuff for Gav to sign, but I just next I, time you'll know next like time. Throw, next throw the, time throw the I will. Bone, yeah, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he is amazing, though. Let's not like shit on him. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Any means. It's just it's hard. But yeah, black hard, li- hard to sit library. next to. Yeah, 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 hard to sit next to Dan. So novels or novellas of the Dark Imperium. Um, this was really interesting because a lot of these authors are not really well known. A lot of them only have a few um, sort of titles to their name. Um, I will say this. I will say um, Danny Ware. Uh, is writing Sisters of Battle. Um, she's been in Inferno, uh, Inferno 4. She's been in some of the Black Library um, compilations. Uh, keep your eye out for her. She's writing Sisters of Battle, and she is awesome. And so keep I think her on when, the radar. Yeah, I think when you sit in some of these sessions, you can kind of see, you know, which authors are going to take off and then which authors are, you know, they're just sort of, they're there because yeah, it's fun yeah, and yeah, yeah they, they, they were invited and this is the highlight. I mean, this is awesome, sure, right? Sure. You know, and so, um, but yeah, Danny, I think Danny has it where it counts and I think it's going to be really cool to watch her Sisters of Battle and she's already, um, so she's written three Sisters of Battle short stories, short novellas, and then she's coming back for a fourth which is going to involve exorcists and all the heavy shit. And she is awesome. She's hardcore. Um, She's writing um, The Bloody Rose. So so The Order of the Bloody Rose. Yeah, The Order of the Bloody Rose. Right, so sort of juxtaposed to what Rachel's doing. Um, Very much exploring themes of the raw and sort of um, just visceral side of the Sisters of Battle. Uh, sisters as soldiers, sisters in a sisterhood of um, uh, sort of military order. And uh, Danny brings a lot of personal experience uh, to that, Uh, having served, I think, in the TA, which is the reserve of the British Army. Their version of the National Guard. Their version of the National Guard, yeah, essentially. They don't go out as much as ours does. Yeah, Yeah. so um, really cool. Uh, Looking forward to reading some of her stuff. Um, and then there are some other folks in there as well um, that sort of, I think, are doing good things. But she she certainly resonated with, with me. Um, and then we're on to the end. I have a special surprise here for my buddy Austin. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm going to well, let... Well, again, there's nothing for me to deal with because I'm showing up to the Sabbath's World Crusade. Uh, <laughs> Defenders of Mankind, Lord of the Sea and Sky, it's not a, not a thing that really matters to me. I don't know what they are at this point, but it's not the Sabbath World Crusade, so it loses out. Um, so they get... <laughs> oh, you beautiful bastard. Jesse may be saying that for you, man. Oh. <laughs> Good. Here, now you can look through it. You can look through this one. You don't have to open yours. I'm yet. not going to touch that one. Yeah. <laughs> this one is mine. So Dave just pulled out a copy of the Sabbath World's oh, Crusade book bastard. for Austin. Yep. Got him a copy. Yeah, that's amazing. It's the only. It was the only one I could smuggle out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I paid for it. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So so we. Uh, I was limited in the amount of the weight that I could bring back. <laughs> really, oh, more God, than I anything else. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So um, while well, Austin unpacks. I'm it, like a monkey. His emotions. I got a, I got a pair of clippers over there. Oh, that would be beautiful. Sir, <laughs> so, can you hand me the clippers? Because I was like, I'll get it open with the keys, but I don't want to fuck the yeah, book don't, up. Don't, don't, don't hurt the book. Where's the exacto knife? Um, all right, so there really is no choice here. Well, that's not true. Um, I, I didn't mention what the other ones were at all. I'm, I'm We've got uh, Dan and Rachel talking about the Sabbat World Crusade. Uh, we've got oh, like Defenders of Mankind with Andy, Gab, and Neil. And then you've got Lords of Sky and Sea, uh, which is another Age of Sigmar um, session. Yeah, at, at this point, I do not care about Age of Sigmar no. again. I, I'm I back know. on. I'm back on that bandwagon. Yeah. So um, I don't think we have to talk Man, this, about this really too. Yeah, much. Austin's super excited. Yeah. It's really fun to watch. Here, I'm, I'm, I'm it's a lot of fun to just. It's like see watching him a trying child to on it. Christmas Day. But a child that's been given something that they don't want to ruin. <laughs> Frantically trying to open up the present and rescue the p- puppy that hasn't had any holes <laughs> poked in the box oh, all night long. No, I'm just kidding. I, it's late. <laughs> Honey, you should stop talking We're now. Good. So, so this book, um, it's this is actually sort of a touching story um, because Rachel Harrison, as the managing um director of art at Black Library, Uh, you know, and a fan, I think, as much as we're fans of Dan. Oh, God. Yeah, be careful. Don't break that. That is that. that in in form. It'll pull all the way out. Uh, He says that is that. So there is a pullout. I mean, it's a four-page pullout. The fancy paper version, but it is a pullout uh, of the same leather leather map of the crusade that we were talking about. It goes all the way. Um, yeah, that's gonna look but so the touching story here is that Rachel uh, approaches Dan and says, let's do another version of the Sabbat World Crusade, which, Austin, you and I both have copies of, I think. Uh, yes, yes, I got a copy um, secondhand that I just, and, you know, it's one. it was actually one of my childhood heartbreaks. Yeah. That when it first came out, um, I was making $5 a week allowance and had no job. Oh. Um, so, like, I couldn't justify to myself the like 30 or 35 bucks and now it goes that for it was <laughs> and, and i remember seeing it at, yeah. at the borders which also dates me um <laughs> in like where they had their D books and all that and yeah. it was there and i like i was a book nerd i was in a borders at least once a week in fredericksburg and i just remember seeing it and seeing it and seeing it and seeing it and, seeing it. and yeah. finally um as i'm like becoming a man <laughs> Uh, I get a job at a horse farm making $10 an hour mm. and 
that's what my first paycheck is going to. <laughs> Fucking up at six, like four in the goddamn morning to feed racehorses. And this is where it's going to. And I get to Barnes and it's, you know, get to Borders and it's gone. Oh, man. And it's been like eight months after it. So like it's, it's just gone, just <sighs> gone from my world. And of course I checked eBay in 2006 or whenever it was. And of course it's going for like a hundred bucks. I'm like, I'm too poor to afford any of this. Ah. Um, and then I luckily stumbled across a copy for like 50 bucks, like very reasonable secondhand. Very reasonable. Um, yeah. And it's beautiful. It's amazing. I would encourage all of you to look for it, except that now there's this one. Now there's this one. And um, I you think can throw the other one away now. Some, no, no. You <laughs> Shut should, your you whole mouth when you talk at me like that. that. But Jesse, I think part of the reason. I will not protect you from him. This came to being is because I think a lot of hardcore gaunts, ghosts, enthusiasts, as well as um, Titanicus fans, as well as uh, Double Eagle, Fantine fans said, you know, we can't get our hands on the original Sabat World Crusade book. Uh, it's super limited. And actually, Dan told a funny story. So, you, you remember... There was the, this kid on a horse farm. Yeah, there was a kid. <laughs> Remember the anthology that um, came out? Um, I think it's about World Crusade. Maybe. Yeah, the one the one where he was sick and it was like a bunch of other authors and he had that yeah. forward of like, "Hey guys, like, I'm so, sick. I'm sorry." So Aaron Dembski Bowden was one of the authors on that, and so Aaron um, writes Dan and says, "Hey, can I have a co- or do you have a copy of um, the?" the sort of the Sabat World Crusade book, right? The, the the sort of the world book. And Dan says, yeah, I have, a, I have a copy. Actually, I have an extra copy. Here you go. You can have it. And he says, are you sure? And Dan says, yeah, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, just have it. I have a second one. He says, are you sure? <laughs> and he says, yeah, why, are you, why do you keep asking me that? And he says, it's going for like a 1,000 pounds on eBay right now. And Dan's like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, yeah. it really was. I think I got yeah. mine like... From a guy who just wanted to get rid of yeah. it. The same way I got the uplifting primer before yeah. they did the reprint. And the guy was like, oh, I got that in the Munitorum, man, who were like 30 bucks each. And but that I, was just a I lucky... Could, I could yeah. sense in like his post, he's like, ha stupid nerd's going to give me 60 bucks for these. I'm like, they're 60 bucks a piece, suck yeah. a dick. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's it's super true. Oh, man. So, um, so, so this book, uh, Rachel Harrison commissioned 90 original pieces of art for <laughs> so there's 90 original pieces of art in here austin as and, you go through and this. i will say i'm flipping through it now uh readers and for those of you that do have the original copy um because one of the things i mean i was always going to get a try and get a copy of this because it just seemed amazing because oh, yeah. it's it's at least twice the size of the other one but i was like that part of me that's just real petty was like <laughs> god i'm gonna have to rebuy the stuff i've already bought <laughs> on page one, there's a whole forward about like the campaign medal and all sorts of stuff that wasn't in the old one. Uh-huh. And even on 38, like which which is lines I know, like all the text I think is pretty much the same. But there is that new art in the early works, yeah. which I think is is a really nice touch for them. So you're not just rebuying the thing you've already... Oh, yeah, no, that, that original art's been included in this. Yeah, yeah no, the original yeah. art's there, yeah. but there's also new. This like, is... like this guy is new. Oh, yeah, Effectively sure. the second edition. It yeah. is, it is. And, um, and actually, Dan was talking about how special this is. Oh, there's um, a Rowan Deeper. <laughs> Look at him. I know. I know. And so um, there's actually, Dan inside of this fills in some gaps during the Sabat World Crusade. There's, I think, a three-year period of time um, between when Gaunt sort of finishes with Balhat and then goes on to uh, found the Tanith. 
uh, regiment. Um, so that's sort of cleaned up in there as well. Um, so there's a lot that's cleaned up um, in here. And it's done in-universe. Uh, so it's an artifact oh as much God. as it is a um, sort of a reference book. Um, so it's like as it's been commissioned from sort of an Urdeshi noble. Um, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. Oh, and they got the snakes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm flipping through it. <laughs> and um, right around like the mid-40s in pages, it suddenly stops and gives you either a two-page or one-page spread on like notable red units in the crusade. And it's the Hurricane mm-hmm. eighth, the Rowan deepers, uh, the Volpone blue bloods. So not like the Tanith who aren't like important. Like there's a couple thousand of them. Yeah. They're cool. But in a book like this, it would be like asking about, well, what about the 538th infantry regiment? Right. How about those young not scrappy gonna be, lads down Not going to be in there, right? It's all going to be the big red one and the 101st <laughs> yeah. and the 82nd. Yeah. Um, so you're getting like those types of, of troops in here and the, the space Marine chapters that fought alongside mm. and it's just so good. <laughs> Dan um, described it and actually Rachel described it too as almost being like an Osprey book. If you guys are into historical gaming and that know. that's actually what I was just thinking, yeah. looking through the spread is it is like, it's very much an, an artifact of the world. Yeah. Like, mm. which is great. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah it's pretty cool. They got some better cool. maps and some really cool. In the and so I I will say um, when I when I got this I went straight back to my room um, and <laughs> and started flipping through it and uh, I found a page uh, I think it's oh my god look at that who the fuck is that who is that <laughs> yeah you don't know who that is is that Silver Guard I think that's the Silver Guard that's Gaunt isn't it yeah. Yeah, that's Gaunt the Eighth going over the walls of Jesus. Spoiler alert. All right. But, um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold man, yourself. I didn't hold know yourself Jesus together. Was still a hey, man, Catholics are everywhere. Secret Catholics you. everywhere. That's true. Uh-huh. Not even secret. So on page two hundred five, um, literally, my heart dropped out of my chest, and I said a uh, a silent prayer to the emperor and all that is good in this world. Because on page 205 and 206 and 207, we get uh, full color plates on Legio Invictus, uh, Legio Invicta, um, which is from, obviously, uh, Titanicus, uh, Dan's exploration of all things Titan, and... um, Your own Legio. My own Legio that I've spent a lot of time on. uh, And so... This would really, really was cool because it's done in exactly the same way that uh, the Adeptus Titanicus full color spreads are, and the Forge World um, black books uh, feature those titans. Nice. And and Rachel confirmed that she said that she said uh, when I asked her and when I showed her these pages and I said thank you so much for doing this, she said we knew that we had to do this. <laughs> we knew that we had to, and so uh, it's very cool. Um, is this is this edition only limited, or will they also release this in a not limited edition somewhere? So I don't, I don't know if it's it's like it's not numbered, um, okay. but you know, like a lot of things yeah. that are not numbered with Black Library, they tend to be even more scarce. So the, like the Liber Chaotica wasn't numbered, but it yeah. came in and it went like that. Oh, um, so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I can't oh, tell you what their print curve. runs are. I know, right? Yeah. 
This is a joy to watch. Austin. I'm sorry. I can, yeah. I can hear you guys talking about things and I'm gone. We might need to get a copy too so we can take a look, huh? <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, uh, it was a great weekend. Uh, the whole, the whole time was, it was really, it was almost magical. Um, I would say just in a yeah. lot of different ways. Uh, it sounded like you had an awesome time. I yeah, did. I did. Like uh, I, uh, Nick Kime bought me a beer uh, I reciprocated with a bottle of gin. Nick, I hope you got that bottle of gin. I gave it to Kate with explicit instructions <laughs> to share. Um, John French, uh, thank you so much for your insights on uh, The Unspeakable King. Jason and Pat and I talked about that a little bit last night. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot, lot to unpack. Excellent. So, uh, speaking about artwork that might appear in later books... I'm at page 126, just flicking through in mild awe, uh, and you have the Fantine Air Corps all let up. Larissa Sash. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the standard, for those of you that have got the Aeronautic Imperialis books, it's those same, like, side-on views of the, the Thunderbolts yeah. uh, and Lightnings, too. Looks like right on Which the makes me cards. real happy. Yeah. yeah. That come out and you say, oh, yeah, these are Lightnings and fans, and these are all the stats. That's so cool. Um those the Narmenians and the Pardis. Fucking Narmenians, man. <laughs> <laughs> that made me want to tank army and epic so bad. Man. So after that, it was just a matter of uh, just find, getting, finding a way back to London. and Finding a way back to London, yeah. And oh, yeah. Then, How did that go? Yeah, I was sort of by the skin of my teeth, actually. <laughs> um, so I woke up early, early on Monday uh-huh. um, and... Caught a taxi back to Nottingham Station. The train was delayed, oh, um, <laughs> which was what I was afraid of. Yeah. Uh, delayed again on the underground. Made it to Terminal 3 uh, in Heathrow. Ran through security. Um, not literally, because you'd get shot, I think, if you did that. <laughs> uh, but as fast as I could. Um, and by the Emperor's grace... Uh, my flight was delayed by 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, just enough time to get to the gate and uh, get on. And uh, I will say this. Uh, Virgin Atlantic is an amazing airline. Um, the, every, every, the, the flight crew is super f- professional. Um, it's so nice to fly international flights that are not American. Uh, <laughs> because you get so much free beer. And alcohol, and I had wine with my airplane dinner, which was actually good instead of shitty. Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, basically beverages come around, and you can have water, coffee, tea, or beer, and or all three, I guess, um, four. Uh, So, yeah, no, I I felt very, very well taken care of on Virgin Atlantic. So, good job, guys. Very Uh, cool. And I made it back. Yeah, on time to be back to work on, I guess, yesterday, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, thanks for that recap. Thanks, guys. Nice and thorough. Yeah. It sounds like you had an amazing weekend. Yeah, I'm going to do it again next year and for the foreseeable future. Uh, because unlike, uh, you know, Nova and Adepticon, which is a lot of fun and I get to connect with old friends and throw a lot of dice and, you know, just kind of 
get my my game on. This is for me. This scratches a totally different itch, right? This is the sure. this is the lore. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is this is the universe. This is what makes all that gaming stuff that we do feel like real. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Austin's probably not going to get any sleep tonight. <laughs> just saying. I don't, well, I, I got to say, I I have to I have to go to San Diego for work next week. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's well, a folks, long plane trip and is. a boring hotel room that suddenly got a lot more interesting. Nice. I may have to apologize to my secret Santa painter. But yeah, uh, folks, thanks for listening to this uh, podcast. We had a lot of fun. Oh, are we done? <laughs> Are we? I, if you want to talk about no, that no, next no, time. I was just, again totally yeah. out of it. I don't know what's going We've, on. We got two and a half hours here. Oh yeah, that's oh. pretty awesome. Yeah, well, Big chunky man. episode, and it was a lot of fun. Yep. Thank you all for coming over. It was fun to record. I mean, thank God I did. Oh. <laughs> Dave got me these coasters. Continue adding to my Black Library coaster collection. Sweet, Sabbath worlds. Those, yeah. They yeah. are very cool. Here, here we go. Some Sabbath world coasters. Get out of here. It's my Tanith. Got a got a corn one in there. Mm. That's uh, blood packed. Packed, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then uh, yeah. I might like claim the Crusade highlight and uh, what the Biati. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. I might claim the corn one so I can put it with the World Eater one. Yeah, you got those at work. World yeah. Eaters would like the packed. Tell mm-hmm. you what, somebody yeah. to have some brains in the operation. So yeah, um, guys, if you guys enjoyed our podcast, tell a friend. Like our Facebook page, share us on Twitter, Instagram, all those things. And uh, if you like it, let us know. Leave a review on iTunes or on our Facebook page, and we love to hear from you. If you are interested in giving a shout-out, give us a call on our Heresy hotline, which is, as I pull it up because I don't know things off the top of my head, one nine two nine four three seven. Three seven nine one. That's one nine two nine heresy one. And uh with that, my name is Jesse. My name is Carol. Dave. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was have awesome. a good have a good that night, everybody. Fun, yeah.